0: You're listening to the Opie and Anthony Channel on Sirius XM. The Ron and Fez Show starts.
1: Come on.
2: It's the Ron and Fez Show. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is Wednesday, September 25th. September just whipping by. Just whipping by. Uh, Already uh, there is one place in Macy's, one floor completely decked out for Christmas, I believe it's the top floor, and I guess they're gonna just start working their way down. So Christmas is coming, make sure you find out uh, what size uh, shoes your dad wears if you're gonna get him slippers again. I have to
3: start shopping now for Christmas? Yeah, get on it, dude. Fuck that. Yeah, get me something nice. I still got to th- uh, Thanksgiving shopping, I yeah. haven't even fucking made that out
2: yet. Yeah, well that's easy, that's fucking turnips and a turkey. You should finish that up on your way home today. Where do you go for Thanksgiving, in-laws? My girlfriend's family, yes. This year, I want you to bring them all into New York, uh, see the Thanksgiving parade, and then I'll head back to Queens, and you put on a spectacular event. Oh, God,
3: yeah. I could definitely cook up a great turkey
2: in my place. hmm The oven has been cleaned in a long time. Yeah, well, that's the stuff that you have to do before. It's never been cleaned. Um... Make sure everybody gets some of those herb pills that you have, and <laughs> they'll be hungry no matter what you're putting out. Amos, Um, All right, we will... A uh, lot going on here today, so we're going to try to jump right into it. Uh, here's Anon. Anon, you're on The run a Show. Hey, what's going on? Well,
4: I'm supposed to be anonymous, but i got a moral conundrum for you, Ron. It's kind of an important...
5: Oh, no. Oh, no. It's a
0: moral conundrum. Conundrum.
2: Well, this is a very moral
0: show.
4: Okay, well, thank you, sir. I am in a new six-month-old relationship, and there's some stuff I haven't told this girl. I have an extremely tainted past. Uh, most of my stuff has been put to extended sets, things, but it's all pretty major. But if I get in trouble again, I'm going away upwards of 20 to 40 years. Do I tell her or not?
2: Well, is it the type of shit that you did that you're embarrassed of?
4: I'm not embarrassed of, but some of the shit I did wasn't real good. I mean, I've got called a laundry list of charges but i turned state evidence so a lot
2: of it went away well what type of charges
4: uh let's see cooking distributing pleading and eluding assault on a police officer malicious assault with a deadly weapon with intent to bodily harm uh, uh, look, I, gotta
2: I gotta tell you going. something this is the kind of chicks this is the stuff that chicks love in a dude's past now if you said rape or fucking you know Uh, taking your your cock out outside the elementary school Uh, she'd be freaked out but you're going to come to her and say look I know this is crazy I'm like a new man but here's what happened to me in the past you're going to tell her you were running around doing gangster shit she's going to fucking straddle you right there dude and you know I mean there's got to be one single tear while you're telling it and how you changed your ways and you know that's going to fucking turn her on so much uh, but yeah, you, you gotta, you know, you know, do it, get it out of the way. Cause that's the good stuff. You got the good uh, stuff in your
6: past. All right, man. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah. All right. Peace. Thank you.
6: peace.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of shit that you might want to keep under wraps, but honey, I know you know me as a gentle soul, but I used to be a, you know, I used to be a fucking desperado running around doing some fucking crazy ass shit. Till I met you, and then I buried my guns in the backyard. She's gonna love that.
3: Jesus. Well, I don't know, He did turn state's evidence, though. He should probably keep that
2: part out. I obviously, keep that part out to anyone. I, <laughs> I could never hire any fucking rat running around doing rat shit. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Uh, women love to look at your scars. Exactly.
3: And it's kind of badass, you know? Cooking? Sure. Whatever. You Cooking. know what I mean? Like,
2: he, he's, you know, he's gonna blow
3: it out of proportion. <laughs> I could have gone 50 fucking years.
2: Let me just say this. Uh, I didn't kill anybody, but I know where some bodies are buried. You know, the fucking women love that. It's like the fucking best thing they could hear. You he could do the whole thing of, you made me a better man. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to say that to every woman anyway.
1: Well, I think it's only polite if the SWAT team could come busting through the windows any minute that she's alerted to that, that could happen.
2: But they ain't going to because he's, you know, he's found a new life for himself. Yeah, I mean if the fu- He's not on the run from fucking Johnny Law. All right, this is a trip to Cleveland. He's fucking done his shit. It's done. He's just on the run from the guys he screwed over there. Oh time. yeah, those fucking guys show up. They're gonna cut his hands off. Yeah,
3: once they get out.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's believe over. me. It doesn't matter if they even find out uh, that he's alive anywhere. They're gonna kill both of them, and they got every right to. What we all did shit because you, but because you're talking, uh, some of us get worse time. That doesn't make sense to anybody. I don't even know how I could be a judge based on that. I'd have to look at it and go, wait, just because this guy starts the fucking chatterbox? Well, that's how they get the kingpins. Which yeah, is but the you know what? A lot of those kingpins bullshit. fucking turning guys underneath them. Yeah, that's how they became kingpins. It's, it's fucking blacklist at that point. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, well, you're going to love that in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't know network TV they're lost because they can't possibly be as good. That's the <laughs> problems they have. No matter what they do, they can't be as good.
3: Are there any even like w- viewing parties for anything on like TV like Breaking Bad people just fucking get together and like holy shit we got to watch Breaking Bad. Uh,
2: regular TV, uh, you know, The Voice and stuff like that, people will get up for. And 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 they can do those shows better than like HBO and Showtime and FXXXXXX and what all the the channels are. You know, you can give away a million dollars or whatever, and that's get people to sing or I don't know what they do. They cook, but then if they're not fast enough... They have to take their steak knife home. I don't know. Yeah. They will have viewing parties for network TV
7: shows, but ironically. Like, they'll do the Law and Order drinking then you like game. It.
2: Then you like it. I don't care what anyone says. If you do something, ironically, you're into it a big, big way. You're just lying. Uh, the only show that I know that really does like... That's a comedy and does those uh, big numbers is Big Bang Theory. And that's because it's a brilliant premise... They're smart, but socially... They're just nerds. I
3: okay. so just wish they'd get together with that neighbor there. It's they did. She's pretty hot. Did. Both of them? Yeah. <laughs> the same time. I think at least two have been with her. Oh, Jesus, girl. She loves that nerd One is the
2: main one, yeah. All right. Well, she, you know, it's close. <laughs> you know? It's just close. <laughs> Those guys are so smart across the hall. I'm drunk. I'm telling you, there's fucking women that have been with you because it was just easy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's already around... He's fucking here. You know, we don't have to get dressed up and fucking go out and then come home and bang. We can just bang here on the couch. Down dirty. Yeah. That's why delivery guys do so good. You know, they show up. They're there. It's consistent, actually. Yeah, they're there. <laughs> on the schedule. All right. But here's the thing I don't know if women get. I suppose they bang their fucking delivery guy. They don't like it. He's still delivering stuff. And it's still in his head. Probably get fucking blowjob today. <laughs> it's fucking best part ever. Then you're fucking stuck with it. Uh, Greg in New Hampshire, you're on the fest show.
4: Oh hey, what's going on, boys? Hey, uh, that opening song that was in uh, the Kings of Summer. I watched that movie last night with my wife. Uh, what a great movie that is.
8: Movie rules.
4: Uh, oh my god, with Nick Offerman and uh, his wife is is uh, Megan Mullally or whatever.
2: Yeah, Megan Mulally. Mulholland, oh, she was John.
4: unbelievable in that movie.
2: She. Let me tell you something. She is seriously. <laughs> oh so fucking great in everything that she does and I had no idea because I never saw her first TV show because I thought it was like Big Bang Theory maybe it was it was like we're gay and we have a drunk neighbor or whatever but then I got to see her on Party Down and I'm like she's the greatest fucking actress she's great and people are like she's already a big star dude you fucking didn't discover anything I actually told her husband that story and he laughed in my face (laughs) She's really funny in that movie. Like, she plays, like, the
7: overprotective mom, like, way suburban. Mm-hmm. And, like, the crazy thing for her is, like, getting, like, regular ciabatta bread instead of, like,
2: whole wheat. She's just an amazingly funny person. She's just great. Uh, John, in New York, you're on the Run of show. Good
4: morning, gentlemen. Yeah. Right to be a million bucks. Uh, apparently, there's a viewing party every week for How I Met Your Mother at the bar that the show is based on
2: do they uh, use the name of that bar in the show?
4: no, the bar I think is McCabe's, but they they call it something else um, in the show I've never actually because
2: that the show, Cheers bar in Boston is still getting people to go in there every single day, what thirty some years after it got done, it, it was sucks. just like a little hey, the cheers thing you go down there's nothing like Cheers, but uh, that sucks, they love it, Ah, uh, they make money, wouldn't you?
3: Yeah, but still, they should do a little renovation. Come on, fucking give something to do.
2: Yeah, I think it's a regular bar, and they're happy with it. And they get, you know, they don't want the people to come in and stay. <laughs> you know, they want them to come in. Uh, if you want to take a picture in here, you've got to either buy a slider or a fucking frosty mug. And it's good business for everybody. $12 beers. It's worth it. Shelby, what's going on in your brain today?
7: Well, there's a new thing that scientists have think they're... Penicillin? What? Penicillin? They got that now. Yeah, I gotta. Yeah, I gotta get out of here. Um, but they have a new gene that they think they found that is like the memory erasing gene, that they may be able to erase bad memories. Yeah, I people.
2: have. I've invented that too. It's called alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> you no sit mixer. and you drink, and <laughs> it's all gone. <laughs> you just wipe out that past, so you're just some guy sitting at a bar. But would you like if you had a really traumatic
7: event would you want to like forget that or does that kind of make you
2: who you are well that is the the fucking call there is did you learn anything from that traumatic event right um i just think you know you're the sum of your memories and what you decide to do with those memories now having said that i I'm not some guy who can't leave the fucking house because he was gang raped. You know what I mean? Like that also, you know, I I think this might work in extreme cases, but like in the internal sunshine of the spotless mind, I don't think you want to take a bad relationship and put that out of your head. But I also think, now here's the thing that I wonder about. Now, Fez, I'm sure you'd go for this in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would be pushing that gene every day, but yes.
2: Pushing what gene?
1: Where they would have to, uh, if I was getting rid of all my scary memories, every day I'd have to go in there and have this gene hit.
2: But, But would you still be afraid if you didn't have those memories? That's the fucking question. Like, are you not reacting to what's happening now? Like, you're afraid of the elevator here, right? Right, yeah. Are you only afraid of that elevator because of some thing that happened to you when you were a kid? So suddenly now, you wouldn't be... That, that's the fucking part of it that's scary. Do you want your personality to change and you don't know why? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you just want to be a dude who gets on the elevator like everybody else? And, hey, 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 but you're not... Wouldn't that kind of make you not fez if you didn't overcome the thing that you need to overcome?
1: It would make, if I didn't have the phobias, it would make me a completely different Fez, but I think worth it. Yeah, I would want to be that dude that just gets on the elevator with no worries.
2: But how do you know, then, you wouldn't, and you don't know exactly why you're afraid of the elevator, right?
1: No, I mean, I couldn't tell them the memory that started that.
2: See, that's the thing. How many memories do you need to get rid of to just get on the elevator? That's the weird thing about it. I
1: mean, one I would really struggle with is a lot of times when I think of my father, the only memories that I can conjure up, and I try to turn them off, are him dying in the hospital and being there with his body and calling family members to tell them that he was gone.
2: All right, let let, let me try to get this straight here. You don't remember him as a kid? You don't remember him... As an adult. I do, but those mem-
1: those death memories are right in front of my face. Everything else is so far behind. But the, those death memories, those hospital memories, come up out of nowhere without me even trying to say, hey, let me remember what it was like when he was dying. So, so how do you feel when those memories come up? That... The way I feel is that's the only way I'm defining my father now. Is that last week but of his life? But that's not what I'm
2: asking you. I'm saying, saying, what is the feeling that you get?
1: Um, the feeling that I—it's—it's it's a bad feeling, but it feels like I'm stuck in a loop, like uh, you, I'm reliving you, you, it.
2: You—you you realize that, that that stuck in a loop is not a feeling. What is the? Uh, You—the image comes to you, and what do you feel?
1: Uh just huge sadness that. He's gone. Right. And that and like 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 I'm holding on to my last memory of being with him and that of course is with his body.
2: That's not a feeling. Your thing of not understanding what a feeling is. That a lot of times when we we try to talk intellectually you go into feelings and now here's the one time on the show where we're saying, Tell your feelings and you're talking loop and this and this all I got so far is sadness that you feel, which, you know, does make sense to me, but would you really want to get rid of, with this gene, the last memory of your father? I don't think, I I don't think that's what the human experience is about, you know what I mean? It can't be. Just wiping your fucking... Because here's what I think. Maybe that feeling of sadness is now going to come up when he thinks of his dad taking him to fucking Disney World. Then he won't know why. You know what I mean? They're like, I have a feeling that, you know, I was thinking about my dad taking me to the Disney World, and I don't know why, because maybe there's a possibility that the whole emotional thing is a lot more complex with our thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, you could have a... Any thought that you bring up... Doesn't mean that a certain feeling is supposed to go with it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's why I think like psychopaths have problems because they get thoughts that would repulse the rest of us and they'll get either turned on or excited about it. So it's not the thought that is that, you know, brings things on. So with that thing, I would be concerned. You get rid of this. You almost drown thing. I know, what are you doing? Maybe you're fucking going out in the riptides and not <laughs> understanding it. You know what I mean? Like, aren't you supposed to... Um, you know, aren't you supposed to learn from your memories? Um, Charlie, you're on the Ranafez show. Hey,
4: Charlie. second, yes, sir.
6: What can we do for you? Hey, uh, wouldn't
2: it be
4: nice if we could erase the time where Fez didn't know he was gay and just wanted to be Fez and Playful Fez wouldn't it be great we could erase that time I know you want him to learn and move on but I don't think he's ever going to learn and move on
2: Fez would you erase your memory of discovering that you were gay? No I
1: wouldn't erase that
0: Oh yeah Y'all know it's time for some of that Gay talk
2: Oh Alright, Stephanie uh, says she wants to jump into this. She has uh, a thing about history. History. Her story for Stephanie. Her story is so sweet, because then it's like the history of her. And it's also her story. Oh, I get it.
3: <laughs> I get it. I know, oh, part- men, men are so bad. We're just the worst, aren't we? Um, are
2: you a fucking caller from yesterday? <laughs> fucking douche. Um, how you doing today, Stephanie? Good. You're You're the girl in black today. Yes. All right, what was... You said you have a scientific experiment you'd like to oh, do.
9: so I was thinking the other day of this experiment where what if we had two groups of children, or uh-huh. two generations, and what is one is taught the, you know, the history curriculum that we're taught today that, you know, exaggerates the bru- like, gruesome brutality and racism of the past, or if we had a group of children that didn't learn about that, would they succeed in today's society, would they be, would racism exist if we never learned about our past racism?
2: All right, so that does tie into Shelby's thing. By the way, Shelby, would you get rid of your memories? No, Good not at all. Uh, Would you get rid of your memories? Hell no. All right, so you're going even a little different here. You think, all right, you have black kids and white kids mm-hmm. that they learn the history of their ethnic background, yes. and then that forces them to either be resentful or feeling productive or whatever it happens to be.
9: I feel that it instills a sense of white, like a subconscious white superiority and a subconscious colored inferiority in people of so,
2: And your way of dealing with that would be to take the children away from their parents and take them away from their history. I mean, the weird yeah. thing is when you now think, okay, and by the way, I doubt if we can do this experiment oh, yeah, as far not. as taking children away, particularly <laughs> since we're just a radio show, <laughs> but, you know, I think that it would be seen as kidnapping, but we'll play this game of, um, because if you took these children, you could make up. A whole new language you know what I mean you could make them speak Klingon <laughs> you could you could tell them there's a giant dog in you the sky different who, things too. yeah whatever you want to do you now but you would always you realize have to keep them away from, from the world
9: today's society yeah. yeah
2: well any society yeah any society outside of this dome thing Um. But your particular... All right, let's say you had uh, 10 black kids and 10 white kids. And I know you want some Chileans in there.
9: Absolutely. All
2: right, so let's put in 10 Hispanic Hispanic kids. a
9: big melting pot.
2: Okay, but let's just try to keep it where we can look at it like it's (laughs) M&Ms. Would the white kids start to hang out together? And would the black kids start to hang out together? And would the... Hispanic kids start to hang out together or would they not divide off, themselves? Off
9: the bat? Is that what you're well, asking? Well, the first are going to be
2: toddlers as they yeah, start as to toddlers, well, as they grow. As
9: children, we're color We're taught that we're different. Like, yeah, we question, okay, why is my friend Jimmy, you know, black and why is my other friend white? But we can easily explain it, like, scientifically and say, you know, our ancestors are from different parts of the world where you need more melanin to have darker skin to protect you from the sun. You know, and but then when we go into the whole, at, like, talking about history and saying, like, oh, a hundred years ago, you know, your black friend Jimmy's, you know, great-great-grandmother was, you know, our great-great-grandfather's, like, slave or something like right. that. I think that builds a type of superiority in, in the new generation of kids thinking, like, oh, my ancestors used to be very powerful and used to keep your ancestors as animals.
2: All right, but this is the first time I've ever heard anyone come in and go knowledge and information is wrong, we need to get rid of knowledge and information, and then the children won't be burdened by it. This is the interesting part of this, is I've never heard anyone put up the fact that the last thing we need to do is teach our children history.
9: More in the sense of bettering ourselves. No, as I get a it. Species. I know what you're. I know what you're to, saying. I'm just yeah. still
2: trying to let it rattle around in my brain a little bit.
9: It's hard because you know they say you know, history ident- like gives you an identity. Yeah. What like you guys were talking about earlier? Would you erase your past? Would like right. would you be the person that you are today? But what if this history cripples you too? Well, no, I get it. I you get know, it. It's a weird you, thought. You know, and it can make you think like, oh. I'm, because I'm brown, I'm not expected or assumed to succeed, but my white friend is assumed to succeed, and it would be a shock if he didn't succeed. It's a shock if I succeed, because my oh. people are not expected to succeed.
2: Well, here's the weird thing about, though, dividing. Did you go to an interracial school? are all yeah. different races. Yeah. Same in my school, and we did not have assigned seating at lunch, and almost everybody sat with their own race at lunch without anyone saying you know what I mean like people get into okay they think they got the cool kids table or whatever but there literally was black tables and white tables without anybody being said because that was your friends at the time
9: yeah
2: um but now you're saying there's no sense of history at all they have no history no kind of this is even my neighborhood because this would be their neighborhood would they well what we're basically saying is would kids invent a prejudice on their own
9: would they or wouldn't they? Would people be more open and accepting? Like you said, like in your school, I highly doubt. You know, or my school, I I saw that too. A lot of the white kids, a lot of the Jewish kids, hung out together, and yeah. I hung out with a bunch of Spanish people. I don't know why. Right. I wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna make sure all my friends. At one point in my life, I did switch it up, and I started hanging out with a bunch of white people. Yeah. But I know it was to better myself. I'd suck it sucks. That's interesting. It sucks saying it. Hicks, what about
2: you? What what do you think of this? If you took kids out of the history, right? We put these kids on the moon, let's say, in a dome city on the moon. (laughs) And we don't give them any information except for what the people leading the experiment would be doing. Would they also break off into, for lack of a better word, the original Earth tribes? You know what I mean. <laughs> the original Earth tribes.
3: Uh, I think that they they're going to f- gravitate towards people that look like them, and I think it's going to it's going they're going to hang out with you know their own mm-hmm. people. I mean, in, in my high school. Fucking, you know, all the Korean kids hung out with each other. Right. You know, everyone... All the Russian white kids hung out with each other. All the non-Russian white kids hung out with each other. <laughs> it was it was all broken up into fucking groups.
9: But that's because we're constantly dividing ourselves amongst our, our racial groups. But would these
2: kids do this without being taught? Because that's the only way this...
9: We're taught this pride... To make ourselves different so then we have to find the people that are like us so that we can feel stronger against the other tribes
2: but see we live in a city that has pride parades and they're kind of good and you know races and ethnic backgrounds tend to mix over where uh you know some spanish people will learn things from their bullish neighbors and all of a sudden there's new recipes or Fusion, as we call it, to come in. Uh, so, I mean, I do think sooner or later, if the Earth is going to survive, you got to look like Star Trek. But I do th- also think that you have to rise above stuff to make it to Star Trek. I don't think you can plan a Star Trek fleet by taking babies out of society and making a better one.
3: No, I think... Uh the nature of, of the is humans. the island. What she is saying <laughs> to us
2: is the island where these—they don't know that they're clones. I don't think they would... If they started
1: with babies, I don't think they would end up going to their own ethnic groups or racial groups. That's taught. Because I think that would be from growing up with their families and seeing how people do we
9: that look like them. How do we know? Because now we need to go kidnap a bunch of kids, get them in a cage and figure it out.
1: These other, uh, these other kids of different backgrounds would be their family
2: uh, but growing how, up together. How do we know that they would treat each other like family? We don't know that at all. We don't know that as soon as, let's say, a white kid and a black kid started to have a fight, that black kids wouldn't side with the black kid and white kids wouldn't side with, kid, with the white kid. That We have no idea of knowing where that um, exists. Um, here's uh, Greg. Greg, you're on the Run-A-Face show. Right. Yeah. Hey, why
4: can't it just be as simple as you hang out with people you have similar interests to. Why does it got to go white, black, Spanish? Why can't it be that simple?
2: We don't know yet. We've never really got to this point. I mean, you guys are, this is the thing. You are leaping on some, some people here are saying, oh, this is what will happen because you tend to hope for such a thing. But, all right, let's play this, Fez, out of these 30 kids that we put there one of the kids is gay. Are the other kids going to treat him differently?
9: If we don't teach them that he's different, it's just it just comes. We come in different colors. We come right, in here's, different sexualities. Right, here's another question
2: for you. Suppose we don't even teach them about gay or straight. Would that suddenly mean that we have a lot more gay kids in this thing? Because, Or at least bi kids? Because they would not know one way or another? Oh, I don't... And then you'd see Chris Stanley making out with Dave the way. Fucking, Let's face it, you guys cuts. want to. We don't yeah. want to, but you let
9: society stop. But that, you. yeah, that's us <laughs> controlling ourselves. Like us as a species, as an as an animal, we should go off of instinct. And if a woman makes me horny, I should go hump a woman. Yes,
2: you should. Yes,
9: you should. <laughs> I, mean, I, lo-
2: I I agree with that. Now, what I'm going to do in this experiment. Is Sometimes I'm going to push a button and make it rain Other times I'm going to make earthquakes <laughs> And then I'll just uh, then I'm going to It's go, like the
9: Hunger Games Yeah,
2: I'm going to just introduce disease Just <laughs> see how they react As I introduce disease um, Here's uh, Mike Mike, you're on the Run of Fez show
4: Hey buddy, how are yeah. you? Um, I have, a, I have a six-year-old, we live in Montclair, New Jersey, and, uh, we kind take of the school district because it's a really good mix, it's not, you know, there's, there's private schools in the area that are right. like, mostly white, but the public schools are really mixed, and oddly, my daughter gravitates towards the black kids, like, most of her friends are not white.
2: Um, you know, when I, uh... When I went to school, my first and I lived in, I, I lived in one of these places where you had the all-white all neighborhood, literally train tracks, all-black neighborhood. So <laughs> I never really met any black kids until so I went to school. And then my first best friend was a black kid, and like I would uh, come home and like tell stories from school, and I'd be like, "Me." Stevie, Billy, and some kid all were doing <laughs> this day, and I would never tell my parents <laughs> his name, you know, and like this was long enough ago that like when the first p t a meeting uh my my mom was told by the teacher, you know, Ronnie spends a lot of time with a black friend, and they really have a nice (laughs) time together. They run around. Sometimes they start trouble. You know, sometimes they get into shit. Sure. But I think this is a, you know, good friendship for them. So my my parents being pricks they would always at dinner like so who were you with today and i'm just like i just met some kid doing <laughs> some stuff you know you know that She's kid crazy you know and i would mean? be but i would never come out and say that to them because i guess
9: i thought it was wrong
2: you know? yeah, yeah and then later i learned it was wrong
9: <laughs> <laughs> why was it now what that's the thing like that's the question like why do you think? we subconsciously think that because I also thought that too. I used to hang out with a bunch of Spanish kids Mm -hmm. and then I would do the same thing with my parents. My parents wanted me to hang out with the white kids and then eventually I gave in and just started hanging out with a bunch of white people.
2: Your your parents thought it would be a good idea for you to hang out with white kids and be a little upperly mobile?
9: Yeah, to like help me progress because a lot of the Spanish kids were, you know, doing, you know, some of them were good smoking that weed smoking that weed Getting drinking floors, and yeah. everything. So
2: it's just like, yeah, white kids, <laughs> some,
9: some dominoes. I want to tell your parents white
2: kids do that shit too.
9: Yeah, so it's just like, why is it okay when like white people do it, but not when Spanish or black people do it like people are people.
2: It's the way that we do it. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, what I mean, like, crap. You guys, like, crafts is less you last you guys year don't get C-Low. caught. That's no, we get caught and then just drop back, <laughs> back off at home. <laughs> 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 um here's uh bj in indiana you're on the running fed show
4: hey guys sound like a million bucks thanks uh i was part of an experiment i was uh going to ferris state university working on my master's back in 1995 and we did an experiment kind of like what you did where we invited a whole groups of kids on two different occasions two different types of uh, groups, we brought in like the top honor students from your typical rural area, uh, mom, dad, two and a half kids, the cleavers, and what happened was we didn't watch what they were doing during these conferences. We watched how they, they basically got together as groups during lunch. And the kids with the higher education were more likely to mingle and it, like, to put it in your, terms they look like a bag of m&ms then a week later we brought in kids from your rural or your inner city areas like detroit kalamazoo grand rapids gary south bend right and we the biggest thing that surprised us was the the biggest separating factor was language the kids that spoke spanish automatically migrated to the kids that spoke spanish no ifs ands or buts it's like they heard it and it automatically drew them to them. That's what our conclusion was: was that it, it was language more than skin
2: color. So, if we had a universal language for the planet, and I'd like to put up English, because oh, it's, it's so, so great, <laughs> it's easy to learn. You know, we know it. Yeah, <laughs> most of us know it, but if we all locked into English, that would be very, very helpful.
4: Yes, it would be very helpful. It was the the language was the biggest separator, then skin color, is the way it looked like. And uh, to add a funny note to it, a gang fight broke out in the second little uh, thing of the inner-city kids. When we let them go for lunch, two kids, rival gangs in different cities, decided to go at it. So, so they brought their own shit
2: from home. See, ours is all going to be new, but even if... Let's suppose we get the races to mix, maybe we'd still end up with the socialists against the you know the outsiders. you know what I mean, like maybe there would still be some kind of an economic thing I elect-
9: definitely think there if are you
2: don't have that
9: social economic d- discrimination
2: and of course religion and and we brought it up sexual i mean would if suddenly the gay kids started to hang out with each other, wouldn't we see that as a failure in the experiment yeah. like, oh, those four gay kids want to do everything you know they want to make fun of girls' shoes, and <laughs> now the experiment's fucked, but i do I don't know, and it's really weird too. why do all of us feel like equality is so damn important? You know what I mean, what is it about this equality thing that uh, an acceptance? That is so damn important. What is wrong with having an island where some people feel better at one end of the island and other people feel better at the other end of the island? You know? Not everybody likes fucking disco. We learned that in the 70s. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Kevin, you're on the Ron of Fez show.
4: Good morning, Ron. Hey, I think these... Uh the uh, colorblind moon kids would eventually form their own groups, even if they were colorblind. They would find the kids like them. I mean, if you had athletic kids on this little group, they'd all group together. And- I think that's a
2: great thing. The first thing that started to divide us in first grade was kickball. The people yeah. who wanted to play kickball all the fucking time. And you know what I mean? Like, we thought of recess as kickball. And then other people wanted to jump rope or play tag or really waste their fucking kickball time. when you could be playing kickball.
9: Wouldn't it be more appropriate to be divided by interests than by something that you can't control, like race or, um, or sexuality or gender?
2: N- but But what I'm saying is it's so important what divides us. Why can't we enjoy the fact that things divide us, you know?
9: Because being divided also causes pain and trouble and death and right. war.
2: Okay. If we had an all-white planet, you don't think that we would have war and pain and death?
9: I'm sure we would.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, we uh, uh, And it might even been you to put it up, that thing that we had on uh, the iBang a couple of days ago with the old experiment yeah. with the brown... Was that yours?
10: Yeah.
2: Alright. This experiment... And it's up on the Bang under experiments I think we wouldn't be allowed to do anymore. But this Midwestern school divided kids between brown eyes and blue eyes. Just to show the fact that your thing was true that the brown-eyed kids, when they couldn't get as long as lunch break or whatever, they felt bad about themselves. And then the blue-eyed kids felt better about themselves. One brown-eyed kid punched a kid for calling him a bad name, brown eyes. Um, we had to watch that in school when I was a kid, and we were laughing our asses off. A, because you know we were black and white kids, so it all looked ridiculous to us to even try to teach it. And then B... That this white kid that didn't live any near any um, brown people at all still was able to drop that M bomb in a heartbeat, <laughs> <laughs> and that fucking cracked us up. Wonder
3: where
6: he <laughs> heard it before. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, there
2: was no reason for him to feel any racism. He's living in the middle of Iowa, Wisconsin, or some shit. A child.
7: Well, we keep bringing up, oh, will the white people go with each other? Will the black people go with each yeah. other? But I know when I was. Live, like living in a place where there's a lot of black people, they would kind of discriminate against each other by the sun, like, oh, she's light-skinned, or she's yeah. dark-skinned. Well,
2: that... Spike know, Lee did that amazing School Days movie where it had to do with skin color and then educational thing. And It's, it's, it's kind of a comedy slash musical, but it's also fascinating if you've never seen that world before, and I was not... Like, I was somewhat understanding of it, but never like in that movie where, uh, you know, Sam Jackson was like a street guy, and he just hated all the college guys. You know, he just thought they all thought that they were better yeah. than people. I think that's what people get pissed off at. It's not so much you think you're different than me, then you're better than me. And white people, when you're a kid, I think divide themselves musically, you know what I mean? That That whether you're a mod or a rocker was back in England in the 60s mm-hmm. and those dudes would fucking fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Over Elvis or the Kinks. What are you doing right now?
3: Oh, they fucking went on, They went to war with each other.
2: Um, here is uh, Alina, you're on the run of show. By the way, this is up under teaching history because Stephanie, our intern, wants to get rid of history for children because it's so destructive just teach them racism uh (laughs) alana you're on the run a fez show
11: hey ron hey says um first of all i'm really excited to talk to you guys um i'm a nurse and in nursing school part of our studies um were in pediatrics and uh one of the things we had to do was listen to all these studies and one of them was that um When you put babies with different colored shirts, they would try to be near the same colored shirts, just as a protection thing. So, and even in races and stuff, they wanted to be with the same race. Well, that that was one
2: of the things that people thought was so terrible, but they do this in Catholic schools where they make the kids dress the same, or um, private schools where the kids dress the same, so that you can take fashion off the table, and it really helps... Um, Yeah, but this was,
11: like, with six-month-olds.
2: And they were, like, trying to
11: choose other kids with the same shirt, you know. Well, they will also show that
2: kids will help gang up at that age because it feels good (laughs) to be in a gang (laughs) than it does out there on your own, you know?
11: Yeah, Um, yeah. That's exactly what they thought the motivation was. It was just the instinctual protection of the pack thing.
2: but, But here's maybe the weirdest part of that. Is there... There's some part of us that thinks that people are really good, but we haven't gotten there yet. Maybe we're not <laughs> yeah. so good. We're not, though. I, I, I had that talk with my fiance all the
11: time. We're like, humans aren't as you know, progressive as we think we are.
2: Well, we it's know that of... because a, 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 a majority of us sit in our houses with a gun pointed at the door in case somebody comes in in the middle of the night. We yeah. We don't like people that much. We don't. It um, just pretend they
11: don't like
2: a select treat. Thank you very much. For right. I know who I'd be hanging out with, the cute nurses. That would be probably the group I'd be running with. Uh, when I went back to the kickball thing, uh, Fez, I remember the first thing that was a divider in boys was sissy. And this was before uh-huh. anybody knew what gay was, but you called somebody a sissy if they'd rather be with the girls doing girl shit. Oh, yeah. And... Because of that, right off the bat, if you did want to play with the boys, but you weren't that good at kickball, you got called a sissy. You know what I mean? (laughs) Or you threw like a sissy, or you played like a sissy, and that immediately was like the worst possible knock on you as a boy.
3: Yeah, it'd be girly? Yeah, and that was long
2: before we even knew the sexual act. (laughs) But also, that's anti-girl, right off the bat. You were a... You're not saying, "Oh, you you act like a homosexual man." You're saying you act like a girl, dude. You're, you're weak. This is the worst thing I can say <laughs> about a human
9: being. You're acting girl-like. Yeah. That's taught in the home and I with don't media know. and with media.
2: Dude, I had a girl live across the street from me that could that could fucking play ball, and she was accepted anywhere. She yeah. could She was a fucking. She could play, and she was accepted. But if you came there and played like a girl, nobody, you know, nobody dug you at all. You think the media teaches us that?
9: I think TV shows and like the shows that kids watch—they teach you that. Oh, like oh, you can't play ball. You're a sissy. Or why are you doing this? And then our parents also teach us like, no, boys play with trucks and hot cars and the the you whatever, the and, hot I, rods, and girls play with Barbie. I, and if you <laughs> see the boy playing with the Barbie, you slap him on the wrist. Like, no, here's a fire truck.
2: But here's the thing. Uh, Parents
9: now are trying to not like to have gender neutral toys like off in Europe they're having gender neutral toys and they're advertising boys playing with dolls. I,
2: I get that but here's the thing. The media is only like 150, 200 years old Go back five hundred years ago. We used to sell our daughters to each other. You know what I mean? You would. Women in the history of the planet have never yeah. been in a good fucking position. I There's just no mean, way you can look at. That
9: it. in itself is just another discussion of why why men feel the need to, you know, or why women are so inferior. Like I've never really gotten deep into why my gender is thought of as inferior. Why? Because I carry the child. I should be glorified because I. Give birth to life. I give birth to men. You know? Some societies do, you know. Name
2: one. Name one where, seriously, I would love to know this society. Uh, Maybe we can look at it, but I, I, unlike you.
9: Native American societies were pretty equal when it came to men and women. They held different jobs and positions, but women weren't (laughs) thought of as completely inadequate to men. They were Uh, respected on some level.
2: Yeah, but then they slept outside. I mean, you really got to get to a point. I mean,
9: that sounds pretty awesome, sleeping under a teepee.
2: <sighs> I don't not, know. I, yeah, <laughs> I really like having, a, um, I like having an air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like the bugs not being able to get in. I need to least the foyer. <laughs> um, Jay, you're on the Run Fed Show.
4: Hey, Ronnie, how you doing? Yeah. Um, yeah, so my parents got divorced when I was five. I'm a white guy. Uh, my mom ended up marrying a black guy about two years later. And my dad and his side of the family wanted to keep me and my older brother from meeting our mom's new husband because he was black. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, first time we met him, I, even though I was a younger, by like two years I was a younger child, I was just like, hey, what's up, man? And my brother screamed and ran out of the house. Um, we were raised in the same exact environment. Our parents weren't racist. Um, There's never the N-word thrown around. So I think it's up to how the individual is wired, personally, in their own brain. That's just it.
2: That's all I got. Uh, No, and I I do think that that also plays into it a lot more. Um, The fact that no matter how peaceful or good we made any environment, Fez is going to worry more than the rest of us. You know what I mean? Now, would that fuck it up? You know what i mean would would the just the fact that one guy was acting like this I'm nervous I don't know what the, you know what I mean would that fuck up our experiment and again, some of that is just maybe wiring, maybe you know he can't get over it. I mean he hasn't tried yet, but maybe he even if he did try, he couldn't get over it. Maybe this is not the place for this utopian thing that you're dreaming of i know in regards
7: to the whole barbie thing i got completely fucked when i was in preschool with that because we had like a we had like a close family friend who had a daughter the same age as me and we would do like a carpool thing and i'd be at like a preschool but one day she left her barbies in the car and so the next day mom said oh just take these with you so that when they pick you up you can just give them to her So they were in my cubby At preschool And then like Halfway through the day I saw like A crowd <laughs> gathering <laughs> was like, oh, That was your Fucking barbies you on fucking over liar? there? And then I went over Like oh, He plays with barbies And I I don't think I've ever Recovered from
1: that I never got my day in court
2: <laughs> Maybe that's the Thing that When the fez pill Is introduced We can uh, take you out of
1: We know What we're getting
2: you For Christmas Um Chris, you keep being on the phone
3: yeah uh, i've I've been um going back and forth with booking they have a they want to know if we'd like a holy man to come on the show priest no, uh it's his Holiness, the Gyawang Mapa, he is the leader of the second largest sect of Buddhism. He's in town for the United Nations.
2: you know, I wow. couldn't even get into work because of the United Nations, yeah, so what would we uh be doing with him? yeah, We we going to play lifeboat? Um, <laughs> what famous holy people would you vote off? No, no, his, ho- his
3: Holiness is in town for the um, United Nations and he's going to be speaking with Sir, uh, Susan Sarandon. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, at the. Well, uh,
2: <laughs> he, this would be. I would rather have Susan Sarandon come by. Yeah,
3: he'll be speaking with her at the um, Rubin Museum. It's His Holiness, the Giawang Drukpa.
2: Um, well, I don't know. Uh, so. I thought the Dalai Lama ran Buddhism.
3: Well, he this guy's um, part of the uh, sect of Buddhism in India. And he's this is the, an, another sect of Buddhism. This is right behind uh, the Dalai Lama. He's a Drukpa.
2: What's a Drukpa? It's part of the dragon lineage. <laughs> All right. Jesus. <laughs> All right, I need someone very quickly. I need to get rid of these calls, uh, Pitsy. And uh, I need someone to teach me... Very very quickly, if we want to have the Drukpa come in, wh- how did he get to be Drukpa?
3: Reincarnated. He's the twelfth Drukpa. He's the twelfth Gwa- uh, Gyawang Drukpa.
2: So is, are you saying that for twelve diff- different generations that ran that run this Buddhist sect? Yeah. He's the same guy.
3: Yeah. He's he's the, he's the what the original guy was. He's re- he's the twelfth reincarnation of that man of that holy man mm. you know his holiness and you know, he should be referred to as his holiness
2: um well, when would he come in uh 15 minutes or so <laughs> <laughs> oh that gives me plenty of time to read up on this <laughs> so maybe a little less that's where we are with this do we say yes? We'd like to come in just to meet him?
9: Does he talk about existentialism and life? I don't think you they're should existential. Ask him. Better. Is
2: he going to be talking with students
3: Serena about gender equality?
2: Yeah, but like, what, does, what do the Buddhists push here? What's their gimmick on this? Enlightenment? Yeah.
9: Everyone lived together, holding hands, and loving each yeah, other.
2: This really ties in with your uh, experiment.
9: Can't we all just live like the Buddhists? Uh,
2: the Drukpa, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't marry, right? No. So his name is D- Gyalwang. Gyalwang. Gyalwang Drukpa. Druk-pai. So what would I call him? His Holiness. I can't call him His Holiness. Calm bro.
3: He's the holy leader of the second largest sect of Buddhism.
2: Right, but I'm not in the second largest sect of Buddhism.
3: He's an internationally renowned holy man. That could be great,
2: but I wouldn't call him his holiness because I'm not part of that.
3: Can't call him druk (laughs) druk
2: Well, you're fucking around like I would even do this. Like, it's all funny to you. I'll make you fucking talk to him. Um, I don't know how this uh, whole deal works. Live to Love International has put this together. Yeah. To enable His Holiness to partake in official duties, as well as public and, uh, meetings. Public and private meetings. And I guess do some radio interviews. Yeah. Are they doing the Catholic Channel?
3: Uh, no, they're not doing the Catholic Channel.
2: Which I thought's odd. Alright, someone said, could we just please play the the gay talk drop?
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Y'all know it's time for some of that gay talk. Oh.
2: By the way, Ezra's digging on Stephanie, but he digs on every chick around here. You got to be careful when a man says you're interesting cuz he could be the slow. Where are you going, Watley? To uh, check on Pa. Uh, <laughs> no, we Drupal. don't even know if we're doing the Drupa. He also brought
3: a gift. This book Everyday Enlightenment.
2: Well, if I would have had his gift yesterday, I could... Why is this funny to you? If I would have had his gift yesterday, I would have loved to have read it and discussed it with him. I like to know where a person is. Then I'm able to, you know, do something with it. Um, It's a nice book. It looks like Eddie Trunk's. Really? Uh, Eddie Trunk's uh, party was uh, fantastic last night.
3: It was fun. The Hard Rock.
2: Yeah, you should have been there. Well, everything: wide open, food and drink. Oh, gee, that's probably big rock stars. Probably would have blacked out. Aunt Pauline's uh, <laughs> cookies and baked goods. Here's one: breathe through your anger. Anger. I can use that. Yeah, you could use a droop on that. Enemies become teachers. Do not speak unless it improves on science. Fez might be a Buddhist. <laughs> Fearlessness in troubled times. Think about death. Oh. It's a good idea to spend some time contemplating death when you are in a happy and relaxed state. Try when you've had a good day so that the thoughts will not frighten you. Seems like sound advice. It's kind of easy to me.
9: Have you ever read these types of books?
2: Yeah, of course, but I'm not a Buddhist. And I don't know what to call him. His Holiness. Why wouldn't somebody let me know this and I would have had the book before 15 minutes before?
3: This is all very last second. I
2: don't know if it is or not. I don't understand how a Drupa would just stop by. All right, apparently, we don't have any followers of the Drupa, uh, second largest sect of Buddhism. Buddhism the Drupa sect? The dragon lineage. Right. I don't know. What's your feelings on this one, Stephanie? Should we take them?
9: I think it'd be an interesting conversation. Pick his brain.
2: if if he's got anything for me to, to know. I have no idea... I mean, for all I know, this could be the Reverend Al Sharpton of um, <laughs> of Buddhism. No, you know? Shar-
3: Sharpton isn't reincarnated. This guy is 12 yeah, times. Yeah,
2: but that's what I'm saying. If somebody came in here and said that uh, I'm reincarnated from the same guy 12 times, I would normally treat them like they were a crazy person. Would, would to be, be
9: disrespectful to question his sanity?
2: Yeah, I think it would be. If I, I don't know. Because if...
9: those are the questions I would want to ask. I'm like, why do you think you're reincarnated? Why am, but, why but, am I not reincarnated? But
2: do you re- imagine how? How ridiculous that would sound like if someone was talking to the Pope that way. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I, I should become a prosecuting attorney to this uh, guy. Um, he's got his own way of being.
9: Yeah. Who are we to judge that?
2: Well, white people. White people. I mean, you know, we got call has, if anyone's going to do it. But they ain't
9: white? It ain't right. I
2: didn't, I've never heard that, but that's so you heard that? No, that's in, cute. Inaccurate. Okay. <laughs> inaccurate. Um, Dave, you're on the Run of Fed show.
4: Ronnie B, yeah. million bucks, buddy. Hey. Hey, you need to do your magic. Get this guy in here, this Droop And if anybody can make somebody of this high, I guess you would say, ranking in a religion. You could get anybody can get them to question their own religion. It is Ron Bennyson.
2: See, I don't know if I, I want that to be my job. I mean, I think everyone should question their own religion, but I don't know if uh, you're giving me the thumbs up like this is done, Hicks. I don't know why this is funny to you. He's God. ready to come in. Yeah. All right. Um, and what am I supposed to call him? His Holiness. Uh. His Holiness is here. I am not a Buddhist. I won't say. Gyawang Drupa. Say it again. The Gyawang Drupa. I don't even get uh, enough time for proper pronunciation. Gyawang. It's not even written out phonetically for me. Um, this is not r- the Gyawang Drupa. Is here. Uh, He'll be appearing at the Rubin Museum in New York City with Susan Sarandon to speak about gender equality. Uh, For more information, go to rmanyc.org. Let's bring in the the Giaiwong Drupa. The Giaiwang Drupa is here in studio with us. Uh, Tonight he will be speaking with Susan Sarandon in New York City at the Rubin Museum. Uh, Also, there's a book out if people would like to learn about this called Everyday Enlightenment, Walking the Path to Happiness in the Modern World. Welcome, sir. How are you? Fine, thank you. Now you're here in the United States for the UN week. What's going yes. on? Yeah, right. You're what right. are you hoping to accomplish this week?
10: Um, it already um, they have awarded uh, me uh, last year, and um, for for my work, like uh, for example, I was uh, going through the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, going through. Uh, like uh, what do you call it? the plantations, and also gender equalities, and all these things, and also environmental uh, friendly way of living—all mm-hmm. these promotions I have been doing back in the Himalaya region and uh, many places in uh, many countries. So they have recognition; uh, they have given me a kind of a recognition last year. So this time also, I. Uh, so was invited to join an MDG um, uh, meeting, yes.
2: When you see the state of the world that we're in now, are you optimistic about our future or pessimistic? I am trying to be optimistic. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It's a very difficult thing to see us uh, moving ahead. That's true.
10: I am trying to be optimistic because if I don't uh, be optimistic or don't uh, try to be optimistic as a leader, Mm -hmm. I think uh, I will definitely uh, put uh, many people down in Mm -hmm. terms of their own encouragement. So therefore, I'm trying my best to be optimistic and I can see in a different way in, in a certain way i can see a lot of development mm-hmm. and of course when uh, specifically if i when I, when i go to the places like uh, you know mdg and also now i can't remember these places uh, mm-hmm. we we went uh, to several uh, places in united Nations and uh, when I, when i see and when i hear people are talking uh, quite a lot about the gender equalities and also the environmental issues and all these things and and uh, the way those people talk about these things, uh, it's quite promi- uh, promising. Yeah. So I feel quite
2: uh, encouraged. Well, I'm going to steal a line from Tom Shady. I can just say, what is wrong with the world right now? And what can we do about it? What is the big problem in the world today? Um, to my understanding, the mm-hmm. biggest problem is
10: lack of confidence uh, each other in each other. Right. And of course, uh, when uh, when it uh, when we when we talk about the lack of confidence, of course, first of all, we have no confidence in ourselves. If we have a confident, if we have a sense of com- confident in sort of uh, in, in 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 real true ourselves, then of course we will be like a, we will be very relaxed relaxed in this in terms of in terms of going further mm-hmm. in uh, in in humanitarian works and all these uh, all these helping peoples and beings and also nature all these things but we are not confident in ourselves so we are very panicky because we are we, we have no confidence we have no sort of a spiritual base or or uh, let's say no sort of like uh, no 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 base no base Mm -hmm. you know so therefore we feel like very uh, insecure so therefore we feel very panicky so we we can't really help others because we're too busy to think about ourselves so therefore first of all this is not only just a Making a, a, a successful business or something like that, yeah. but you have to be successful um, mental, uh, mental developing uh, yourself, and uh, so therefore you have a confident, and uh, then that confident will uh, give you lots of rooms to work for the others, for others. So uh, that's that's where you may be able to start the uh, humanitarian uh, activities. So. To fix the
2: world, we've got to fix ourselves first as individuals. How come in all these thousands of years of religious teachings and all kinds of spiritual leaders have come and gone, and we don't seem like we're any further along as people? How did this happen? I mean... If I may say,
10: Mm -hmm. maybe it's a little bit of critical kind of criticism, kind of sound criticism, but uh, I always say that anyway, I'm very daring anyway, Mm -hmm. that uh, the religious leader, I mean now maybe a thousandth of years, anyway, the religious leader, maybe some of them are good, but uh, most of the religious leaders, they are talking Mm -hmm. but not doing. So, of course, uh, the the followers, they feel tired. Uh, Literally, they feel tired because tired of listening to them, but not doing anything. And, of course, the followers, they have to do it. Mm -hmm. But what, you know, I mean, the the word follower, what is, what does it mean? Yeah. What to follow? (laughs) You know, you follow, you follow somebody else who's talking beautiful thing. But uh, what, what do you follow? he doesn't do anything he's not doing anything so walk the talk right that is what i what, what we should really be thinking these this these days like this is now twenty-first century we have to really be doing it the leaders should be coming to the road to coming coming into the street and do it do the do the humanitarian job for example they should they should walk and uh, And uh, and uh, and uh, promote the gender equality. Mm. They should do. They should they should promote the the awareness of uh, the um, uh, the uh, environmental uh, friendly way of living and all these things. If they are leader, they should really be leading physically uh, and interacting people and uh, teach them not only just to teach them by talk but work. Mm. They should really be. They should really be there actively. This is what i I try myself i I'm trying myself uh, my my best level anyway
2: yeah um so we've had bad leadership throughout all this time, uh, and again, it comes back to individuals being able to fix themselves um You believe in reincarnation, you've been reincarnated, I've been reincarnated, my producer, everyone, so why would we care? We're all going to go on. What makes it so important to fix things now? You know why? Why not just go? We're eternal beings. No, no,
10: no, 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 no,
2: no, 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 I I
10: don't believe in that. I mean, okay, I do believe in a reincarnation. Yeah. But I do believe in a uh, more in a, in a, in a well. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, um, 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 the what do you call that? The uh, uh, success life, successful life yeah. for the generations. Next generations and generations. I'm not talking about the reincarnations. I'm yeah. not interested into talking about the reincarnation, even though your reincarnation is there. But uh, you may not be in New York. You may you may be in somewhere else. I mean, yeah. you may you may be in some 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 of the some of the stars, <laughs> mm. you know, Yeah. so moon or whatever, wherever yeah. you are,
2: you know. So I could I could be my next life. I could be on the other side of the universe that's we have it. no idea that's don't. it so it is important to fix things here in the now for your generation for for my generation and to make this planet that i'm on now that's a it. better place that's it give a contribution
10: at least just to give a bit of contribution before you leave
2: yeah <laughs> what? Uh, no, your book, Everyday Enlightenment Walking the Path of Happiness in the Modern World This is a way for people To get away from their panic That's it uh, This is a way for people to Every day feel stronger and better What's some of the things that A lot of people that are listening Haven't really been exposed to these ideas What's some of the things that people could do Right away to prove That they're going to start and feel better What's a couple of little things That they could do throughout their day
10: the little things that they can they can do in the in, in throughout the day to day life, mm-hmm. uh, I I would I would always recommend people to try to understand each other
8: mm.
10: more, so that they will they will they will they will have a they'll they'll, they'll have a bigger heart to keep the others. Mm. Not only just a human being, but the animals also, and not only the animal, but you have to put a uh, put. You have to keep. You have to be able to keep the trees, water. You know all these elements, glaciers, all these elements. You have to be able to keep it in your love, your care. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it compassion very much, but you can, if you like, you can say this is a compassion also, uh, from a, from a point of view of religion anyway. Right. Um, but but of course I'm I'm not really going into the religion thing. But you have to understand we, we you, so that you will have a sense of great great sense of respect.
2: Mm-hmm. So you look upon everything you see with love, no matter what. That's it. A uh, person, a place, and you see that person as being connected to you. Do you see it as? Uh, yes. Yeah. Connected.
10: Of course, there are many connections that you can talk about. Mm-hmm. Let's say from the point of view of religion, from, from the point of view of philosophy, different point. Yeah. There are different, um, heaps of different, uh, points. But of course, the point that I am directing to is we have a relation. We have a, we have, we have a related, uh, how do you say, uh, we are related to the, uh, nature. Mm-hmm. We are related to the human being, animals, dogs. Donkey, horses, snake—all these. We are related. Why? Because we live in, we live in a in a a same. How do you say? Desire realm. Right. We are desire. We we our desire says we want the best. We don't want this. We don't want to sick. We don't want to be uh, uh, to be uh, to be uh, to be. uh, be, um, I don't know suffering. Right. We want to be happy. So that is the thing we are related not only that we are related in the sense that uh, for example my health is very much related to the air my health is very much related to the trees the plantations if there is simply imagine that if there's no trees there's mm. no oxygen how do we live for example
2: so none of us are healthy if we live in a sick environment you can't have people Feeling unwell, you can't have nature feeling unwell. All of us will feel That's unwell. It. That's it. If that happens. That's it. That's it. So, of
10: course, like uh, you have to take care of others in order to take care of you.
2: Right. In mm-hmm. some ways, it's almost a selfish act That's it. to say, uh, if I want to have a successful time here on the planet Earth, I need a successful planet Earth. For sure. Yeah. That's it. That's the exactly the point that I am
10: trying to sort of uh, put across to the world, that you have to be selfish. You have to know. Religiously speaking, we always say, don't be selfish. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay, I respect. I have a great deal of respect t- to what they say. But if you interpret it in that way, then... In a, literally, if you would interpret it that way, that means you are going to be a loser, mm. and you're not going to do anything. End up, end up doing nothing, because you'll be tired anyway. Because you're not going to get anything, <laughs>
2: right? Sooner or later, you'll just g- give up on
10: that. Yeah, sooner or later, you definitely. Will. I mean, if I were you, mm-hmm. I would definitely give it up. Give it up, because I'm not going to get anything. So why, why should I be doing anything? <laughs> right, you know. So I think this is a misinterpretation. If you if you urge on that piece of, uh, if you like teaching or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. don't be selfish. You know, okay. I mean, this is I I heard this like a uh, millions of times, billions of times, countless of times. But it's like a very disappointing all the time. Yeah, you have to be selfish, but how to be selfish? You have to be selfish in a smart way, not in
2: ignorant way so we will selfishly make it a better community selfishly make it a better planet that's it and selfishly all push ahead for a better existence this is the
10: that's the thing
2: oh yeah because
10: then you will be like encouraged because you know that whatever you do is definitely going to be going to be serving you and your family and and entire entire world
2: and most of the time, I think we live that way. Ninety percent of of our day, we're not attacking each other. We're, you know, going about time you, you, to, let's say, when we're on the roads, we let other people drive properly and pull ahead of us. But only sometimes do I think that we get off where we're not seeing ourselves as all part of the same community distance sometimes does that to us it's easier to be nice to people when we're around them than if they're on the other side of the planet
10: mm, yes yeah mm. yeah but 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 most of the time we uh we are like a, a
2: robot Right, we're just going through our day. That's it.
10: Just, just, just going through, going through it. You know, we just don't know what what's happening. Yeah. it's just a robot. You know, maybe it's just the regulation, the traffic regulation saying that, yeah. or maybe a fear of police attacking you or something. Yes.
2: <laughs> so it's easier not to do. It's easier to go along. But you're saying consciously be aware That's consciously it. be you aware. have to be consciously
10: be aware uh-huh. and consciously be encouraged and consciously be happy mm. you know what you are doing, happy about the world, so that the world can be better mm. if you don't be happy, if you don't be of so this is what I'm saying in the, in my book yeah. you know if you are not if you if you if you are a failure to develop the happiness sense of happiness then, of course, there's not much of encouragement. It's dead, actually. The destination is dead. (laughs) The final destination is dead. That's it. But, of course, if you don't... This is the reason why I'm saying you have to be encouraged, to be encouraged, to be happy, to be active. You know, active activity
2: definitely brings the happiness. Well, it is... It's such i mean the one thing i think everybody can uh, agree on that's just mind blowing is that we're here at all that we're that's that there is something rather than nothing you know that all of this is going on and most of the time we're not even overly thankful about that we may be afraid of death we may be afraid of failure but we're not ecstatic that we're here at all having these Experiences, do you do you see ecstasy as being an important way to go through life that? Incredible amount of happiness of just being Incredible amount of happiness
10: can only be uh, established or uh, or developed um, um, When you are strong enough so in uh, how do you make yourself strong first yeah mentally is of course you have to have a a lot of different sorts of support physical support your body should be very healthy the first of thing and then of course your friend and society and of course the air pollutions you know free of pollutions Water all these supports need to be there in order to have you, uh, you uh, Developed yourself strong the strength of yourself needs to be there. So therefore Simultaneously simultaneously if I may say mm-hmm. you have to develop the relationship between the nature and others We I mean, I always say that You yourself is not important others are important this is like a, a you know like a, a, what do you call anti antidotes you know mm-hmm. it's it's a secret anyway it's a secret sort of uh um a secret method if you like you know you can say the others are more important than yourself you you are num- you are just only one person and others thousands of people thousands of beings thousands of trees and you know mountains and all these. so if you look look after or take care of others Then, of course, the echo or the feedback is, of course, your healthy, your health, your spiritual health, the physical health, your health will be taken care automatically. For example, in in uh, in India, like ancient like medicine, we call it like Ayurvedic. You know, Ayurvedic medicine. That's they call it Ayurvedic. Means like a, it's not a medicine. It's like a it's 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 a it's a message to to take care of to to care of yourself by itself. It is not something that you have to take uh, something out from import something yeah. out from out. So it's you know you will be your your you, yourself will be taken care by yourself by, by itself. Mm-hmm. So automatically, all, almost you can say that exaggerately. I mean, I mean,
2: just by doing these things for others, our body knows and starts to create it. the things that we need that's for it. ourselves. Yeah, uh, you're talking with Susan Sarandon tonight about gender equality. Why do you think that? We're still talking about this after so many years. <laughs> Why is this still a problem?
10: The gender equality is now the. It is. Uh, it is something that is uh, very much uh, worrying uh, for us. But of course uh, in, 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 in a place like in America Maybe be little better Because mm-hmm. of the education Because of the modernization And of course the rights The, the women rights and all these things uh, I think it helped a lot But back in the rural areas Like, like a, back in the Himalayas And all these things And also the Southeast Asia And because of Some of them are because of religion mm-hmm. Some of them are because of the culture Some of them are because of Just a lack of education So of course uh, there are lots of, uh, ex, uh, do you say, causes, uh, so, uh, causes that causes that uh, uh, um, problem, you know, the gender equality problem, you know, the, the, the not having gender equality. Yeah. So therefore, I am trying my best to promote the awareness of the importance of gender equality. So uh, why I'm doing this is that, you know, without having gender equality well set up, um the energy will never be balanced in this world in general, and that is the reason why the climate changes uh, uh you know it, it 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 indirectly it secretly it causes a lot of problems in climates it secretly it causes a lot of problems in the in the human being uh he- healthy health wise they, they 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 have a, millions of different uh, new uh, comer, newcomer mm-hmm. disease that doctors they don't sometimes they don't know how to handle them so all these disease and all these things are coming from actually being an imbalanced uh, the energy so, these two energy, the feminine's energy and the masculine energy is really the energy the biggest energy of the world. It comes in the sun and moon, you know mm-hmm. astrologically speaking, it comes in the sun and moon, and all these these two are when these two are not balanced, the entire world goes upside down. Maybe you don't know that much. I mean, you don't really be aware of that much,
2: but that actually what, it ha- what is happening. So our thoughts, our feelings affect everything in the world. That's it. Us being out of um, balance personally affects the entire world in, That's y- it. in your feelings. So therefore,
10: the gender equality is a first step that uh, one may have to uh, take. And work
2: for that Tidelessly If you're in New York uh, It's tomorrow night uh, In the um, Rubin Museum In New York City Go to rmanyc.org And the book is Everyday Enlightenment Walking the Path to Happiness In the Modern World Thank you so much Thank for coming by Thank you very on. much for having me here And I'll see you next time What do you think of his stuff? I like it. He's mm, same old. Shit. Same old. You yeah, know, be nice. Don't same pollute stuff your... as Sunday school. Be nice. Don't pollute your body. Don't pollute your body. Don't pollute your neighborhood. Be nice to each other. Don't hit each other in the back. Don't call each other names. Not a lot of people listen, though. No. That's what I was trying to get across to him. I also think... If I'm going to pop up on the other side of the universe, well, you know, maybe I'll be able to get a little better next time. But in, re- in reincarnation, you don't have consciousness of your past lives. Yeah, that never made sense to me. What was the purpose? But, you know, that's because you want to believe. Well, you would have to believe that the greater good, the greater thing is the important thing. Just like in religion and western religion the soul was more important than anything else but that doesn't give you a lot of comfort when you are dying your soul goes on doesn't necessarily mean you go on
12: yeah
2: it's hard to see yourself as part of the one when every day you just wake up with yourself that's the difficult part of that
3: dealing with everyday life or whatever
2: so whatever, but you are interested in your thing yeah. You're not necessarily interested in the one That feels like it's you versus the one You feel almost like in competitiveness with the rest of the world I don't know how, every religion will try to tell you The greater good is better You're not just a raindrop, you're the ocean But you think to yourself, I feel a lot like a fucking raindrop right now That's what I really feel like those, like if Fez, his concerns are about him, you know what I mean Yeah, and he's very good about saying, I mean like the, the, I think the, the the lesson that Fez always teaches is like, well shit, I don't want to be that worried, you know what I mean yeah. like I don't want to find that much negativity, but if you told Fez, don't worry,'re you're, you're just the raindrop, you're gonna fall into an ocean and be sucked up and just be part of the one that would terrify him. Yeah. You know, that would that's no comfort to him.
3: that will just cause anxiety.
2: Because he's interested in the raindrop. And I don't know if any of these religions will, no matter how much faith uh, they have, will give you that comfort in going on into um, a uh, a thing now and we are going to take a break uh, but when we uh, get back, looks like um, the news is out that there's a shooting uh, a situation in Long Island. I don't know whether uh, they've locked down a mall, but it may not be.
0: Not um oh, Jesus. One more time.
2: Uh, It may not be the you know, it might not be a mall shooter. It might just been near a mall Um, And I know some of these people want to talk about uh, The Drukpa is his name? Drukpa. Yeah, his holiness. I couldn't do it. I couldn't say his (laughs) holiness because I don't know him He my holy man Seemed like seemed a, like a nice man, don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. But Very really... Pleasant. Huh? Very pleasant. Yeah. But you don't think I could have done that? <laughs> I couldn't have that job. I could be the Drupa, it seems like. I know all that stuff.
3: <laughs> but have you been reincarnated 12 times? I guess we could all... If it's for I real. would
2: be a re- reincarnated and see... It's not that he was reincarnated 12 times, that he was the right dude, the dude that they like to follow. All right. But... You know, he ain't the Dalai Lama.
3: No, he's he's a little bit less than.
2: I did like when he said that the other uh, religions are kind of <laughs> shitty. That was great. Holy men,
3: yeah, they're mostly
2: bad. Somebody went to sign up for his newsletter. I don't know. You know. Nice guy, but, uh, you know, carny's carny. I get all the things, you know. It's not like I disagree. I, I do want there to be a good world. Yeah. I do want there to be a nice world. Uh, but I can certainly understand why people feel panicked, too. You know? doesn't feel good to lose. doesn't feel good to get sick. doesn't feel good to not have enough. doesn't feel good to be unrecognized in this world and not appreciate it. Yeah. Don't you think that's what bums people out the most? Is like, it looks like people just don't get it. Don't care. Yeah. It's
3: pretty fucking shitty.
2: You could be the opposite of him, then. Yeah. You could be his, uh, the uh, unholiness, <laughs> where you could just go around telling people why they... But really, I think we do that <laughs> for ourselves all the time. We are totally... Willing to tell each other why things are so shitty.
3: Like, his state of mind, the way he is, is not... doesn't seem like the natural state of humans.
2: I don't know. Did you feel like there was anything that different between him and any of us?
3: Oh, he seemed pretty... Just, like, totally positive.
2: Yeah, but I meet meet nice people all the time. But did he give you the thing of, oh, I've just met a holy man?
3: The get-up worked for me.
2: I see the get-up on the street every fucking day, asking for a buck for one of those little gold things.
3: Yeah, one of those guys hit me up yesterday while I'm smoking a cigarette. you give him any money? No, I just put my hand up to him and he I stopped I said talking. fake
2: monks. <laughs> I don't know what they belong to. Although they're wearing the same stuff as him. Yeah. And I that, think you can buy that almost anywhere.
3: That's probably play monk out of costumes.
2: Alright, I got a break here. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back and uh, pick up this and more. I believe Michael Sheenan is stopping by today and in an interview with uh, Jimmy Kahn. It's the Run and Fez Show.
0: The Run and Fez Show. On the OPN Anthony channel. Sirius XM. <laughs> You've been warned.
2: Show. Shelby, this is your artist of the day, MGMT.
7: You just loving on them? Yeah, they. Their music kind of sounds like it's through a
2: kaleidoscope. Is that a me. good thing or bad? It's a great thing. I know, not kaleidoscope? How could music come through something that's visual? Hmm. Makes you think. Not really. Doesn't let me thinking at all. <laughs> uh, for the record, both Fez. And uh, Hicks called droops His Holiness to him. Mm -hmm. I don't throw that word around too easy. Uh, If Francis comes in, I'll drop a His Holiness on him. (laughs) And even then, I'm going to cringe saying it. Uh, And of course, if David Bowie came in, I'd have no problem at all. Um, Doug, you're on the Running Face Show.
4: Ronnie B., yeah. greatest interviewer ever. Totally cold. The guy, kind of cool. Definitely not the Dalai Lama, but can't believe you had the confidence to pull it off.
2: Well, I have the confidence because nothing bad could happen. I guess I could go to Buddhist hell, but uh, that's about it. Uh, Patrick, you're on the run a Fest show. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good.
4: I was just uh, calling because uh, your, your, um, your assistant or the... I can't think of the word right now. Um, She was talking about how she wanted uh, a can't we all just get along thing, but that's not possible because we we can all leave each other alone, but we can't all get along because if everybody has to get along, that requires somebody forcing you to get along. Like, you know how there's guys that you just don't like? There's something about them you don't like, so you don't associate with them?
8: Yeah.
4: So, I mean, if... how are you supposed to get along with somebody that you just don't like?
2: Well, you came up with a good point. Sometimes it's just leaving people alone. It is exactly, about that, the best fine. thing that you could possibly do. Just letting them go off and do their thing.
4: Exactly, because you can't change people from being people, but you can voluntarily let them be themselves and not let their lives take any effect on you.
2: Um, you know, when he was talking about the stuff of human beings kind of... Being part of sickness of the planet. I think scientists would somewhat agree that we've done enough shit to the air, the sea, you know, that we've hurt the other species. Um, and who knows, maybe the planet would be better off without us. I just like the idea of humans being here. I'd be a little bummed out if humans don't make it.
3: Yeah, show ourselves in space.
2: Oh, I'd love for us to get the space program down.
3: It would be fucking great.
2: Maybe so you guys can come find me in my new soul on the other side of the galaxy. Holy shit. Uh, all I could think of when he said that was the last verse of the Highwaymen. That fucking song. And I'm like, that's always the you know the verse that weirds me out a little bit. I'm not ready for the future part of it. I should have just started reading the Highwaymen to him and making him listen. Like I wrote it. Listen here's to this a, one. Yeah, here's a little something I wrote called The Highwayman. Um, I don't know. Uh, coming up, uh, Michael Sheen is going to be here talking about Masters of Sex. He is such a fantastic actor. Some, you know, Frost Nixon, to me, is... Um, such a great film the Queen where he played Tony Blair he was amazing in that and they just announced that he's doing a, a, a movie again do we have that Chris uh, it was big big uh, news everywhere yesterday um, let me throw out some of this stuff that Chris said to me about the holy man yeah. Uh, what's the new, the new Michael Sheen that was announced yesterday? I'm I'm grabbing it, but he plays in this. Um, he plays Dr. William H. Masters in Masters of Sex with the very lovely Lizzie Kaplan, who um, was in here yesterday, and she's just fantastic. Uh, far from
3: the madding crowd. The Thomas Hardy book. that's He was just announced he was going to be in that.
2: Um, and who's starring in that with him? Uh, Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. She's beautiful, too.
3: Yeah, she's great.
2: He's living a pretty good life, my, d- my man. Oh, hell yeah. So what's the name of that... Um, it's a, I think it's a remake, too, of a film. What's the name of it? It's Far From the Madding Crowd. Madden? Madding. Madding.
3: Spell. M-A-D-D-I-N-G. He, he does that as Madden. <laughs> <laughs> well, Madden 25?
2: He's in Madden 25.
7: <laughs> undersized, but he's got a heart.
2: Really didn't um, bother you calling that guy your, your wholeness?
3: I threw it out there to him. I How like, come? I figured I'd give it up to the guy. I mean, he's fucking reincarnated for whatever, 800 years, head of a sect of Buddhism.
7: I called him Johnny Bones, and I think he preferred it, to be honest with you.
2: I just called him JB, because I'm not comfortable calling somebody Johnny Bones. (laughs) I was like, all right, hey, his loneliness. I should have just started singing them Bones to him as he came through. (laughs) I mean, look, if he was the Dalai Lama, I think that would have popped a little more for me.
3: I I, I find any of those Buddhist guys pretty... uh... Pretty interesting. I'll you give them like them? Yeah, I like the Buddhist guys.
2: I think a lot of people that grew up around Christians think Buddhists is somehow better. It's like, they're kind somehow of. pure. I feel and that I feel way. like you just... Yeah, I know a lot of people <laughs> who are like, you know, the Buddhists have a better way of being. I'm like, I don't see a lot of happiness over in Buddhist countries.
3: And plus, my friend's father was a Buddhist, and he was, like, real into it. He had the fucking big... He had the whole room of his house just as his Buddhist meditation chamber. Yeah, I've been
2: to a million people's houses that, you know... Oh, this is my temple over here. Yeah. Is
3: it... But he also smoked Newport 100 and drank Colt 45. He was an old, weird dude.
2: I've seen priests smoking, man. I like that. And drinking. Good. They
3: should. Keep the urges but, down. See,
2: I think you're not impressed with Catholics only because you grew up around them. But if you grew up in Thailand, you'd be like, the Catholic Church is really so beautiful.
3: Yeah, great clothes,
2: too. Um, what time have we got Michael Shane come by? About five minutes. Okay. Um, Nick, you're on the run of Fez show
4: Hey buddies I'm sorry to rehash Ronnie But I listen on Audible And I just finished listening to the Lizzie Kaplan thing And the conversation that took place after And the whole leadership with white people thing I just thought you were kind of brushing over it Don't you think it's more like a, You know, aspirations To keep moving forward in life Or whatever position They may happen to be in I don't think, you know, it's you can just blanket it and say this person wants to be on top. Isn't that the uh, natural? I, I, I
2: cannot believe that you can listen to that conversation and me re-explaining it a hundred times no, and I, still I not get it. Every, Here's exactly what I said: White people are very white men are very comfortable saying I am prepared. To lead That's the only thing that I said, and they feel like a white know, guy right, should be in know, charge. I don't see it as... I need somebody to run do. that thing so we can go back and forth. I, I don't see it as evil. I just think it's a position that we are comfortable taking. I just was reading something from a lawyer who um, is in South Florida... And brought up to me, he says, can we now re-go back and look over to see how many times there's a white guy as the jury foreman, on the jury. In my joy, grand jury, we must have had probably 30 or more people, maybe even 40. White guy was the jury guy. Most of the people we have were, were of color, but a white guy was running things. White guy was also a secretary there, was taking all the notes. I never would have done that. Like bureaucratic. It was like, he was gay. He's like, keeps me busy. I'm like, I'm not gonna sit there and take notes all day. No, don't even put me up for that position. I'm the guy who's also gonna be reading the Sports Illustrated why this is going on. <laughs> uh Michael Sheen, we brought it up before, is such a great actor and uh now gets to spend time with Lizzie Kaplan on this Masters of Sex. You know him as he's played Tony Blair, I believe even more than once. Um I don't know where his thing is, I just had in front of me, I want to go over some of his IMDb stuff. Um, He was on uh, 30 Rock all that time. Uh, Did the the Twilight movies. Frost Nixon, where he played uh, David Frost is just phenomenal. Great, great actor. Let's bring him in for Masters of Sex on HBO. Michael Sheen.
9: We pass the time yeah
2: Showtime is back with another really cool show. Uh, This one is Masters of Sex, which I had the opportunity to see the first uh, episodes, and they're just terrific, and Michael Sheen is here now. How are you, sir?
13: I'm very well, thank you.
2: Uh, This uh, is a different place I think that an actor gets to go, because you get to play across time a little bit. You go back about, what, 50 years on this one? Yeah,
13: we start in 56. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Although, I've, I've done quite a few period films. right? So I've been able to sort of jump around in time quite a bit. And, and I've done some sci-fi, so I've jumped ahead in time as well. <laughs> but this is the first time I've been able to do something that's so specifically set at this period of time.
2: Yeah. Well, and you've also played living people. People who actually exist it. Yeah. Yeah. Does that give you a little more responsibility to the role? Do you worry about I think, that? Yeah, it does. I mean, if you're playing
13: someone... You know, and they either they or their family uh, you know are still alive, obviously then uh, you know obviously there 's that responsibility, but also you have a responsibility to the truth of course, and the mm-hmm. facts of what happened you don 't want to misrepresent anything, <laughs> although at the same time it 's not documentary, so you you have to have some sort of you have artistic to leeway yeah exactly yeah. Um, but uh, but in the case of uh, masters of sex one aspect is different in that people aren't overly familiar with the actual person. You know, they may have heard of him, they know about the work, but it's not like I have to do some sort of mimicry of of the person in the same way as maybe with someone like David Frost in Frost Nixon or Blair in The Queen, and that comes Mm -hmm. up. You know, people's familiarity with the actual person you have to deal with. In this, I don't have to deal with that so much.
2: But there's also an interesting thing, because I've seen so many of David Frost's work over the years, and in no time in Frost Nixon, I just gave it up. You know what I mean? If the story works, I don't think you're you're worried about every little nuance and tick.
13: No, I've, I've always said that that's something that you want to get out of the way really quick, mm-hmm. you know, early on. It's all about just making an audience comfortable with going on the journey with you. And if they're too aware of how much you are like the person or how much you're not like the person, then equally it gets in the way of them doing going on the journey. You want them to be drawn to the the inner journey, not the outer thing. So um, that's something that you have to pay attention to because if you don't, that could be just as off-putting for an audience as if you're you know every scene they're like, wow, he really is like him, isn't he? Yeah. You don't want them thinking about that. You just get it out of the way.
2: Masters and Johnson, like you said, most of us know that name. It's been around our whole lives. The f- There's a couple of fascinating things right off the bat. Number one... That we stayed so naive about sexuality for so long and to science and number two what a kind of flawed guy this was. Like, you want to look at him at first like, oh, he had this fantastic idea, and he was opening up to the world. But at the same time, it seemed like he wasn't even ready for that idea.
13: Yeah, you'd sort of assume, wouldn't you, that yeah. the man who was behind this study would, would be really on top of what he was studying. Yes, exactly. And in, from a scientific point of view, of course, he was. He was very on top of it. He was a brilliant man, a brilliant scientist, and did groundbreaking, extraordinary work. But in his private life... I mean, it's just a mess of of contradictions and complications and avoidances and, you know, resistances to all kinds of things. So he has, which of course, perfect TV, perfect sure. drama, isn't it? Um, and, uh, and that's what we explore, obviously. But yeah, and, and the, your first point about how naive we were as a culture, I suppose. You know, one of the things that has struck me the most is that as as much as people were suffering, certainly women, particularly mm-hmm. were suffering because there was no information about sex sexuality at the time there was no reference books it was very taboo you know no one really talked about it um, and women were sort of just expected to kind of up with whatever right. um and certainly had no kind of ownership of their own sexuality really um you know so much has changed since then m- mainly because of the work that's happened with Masters and Johnson but you know you look at the situation now and there's the tendency to feel oh well we're so different now you know it's all mm-hmm. changed now and of course in certain ways it's changed very much um but the kind of challenges that sex and and sexuality presents to us on a day-to-day basis in some ways those challenges are exactly the same you know now we're completely inundated with sexual images and you know it's been kind of corporatized in a way so sure you know it's been taken over by commercial prospects and we're sold everything is sold to us with sex and so there's now a kind of ideal version out there that we have in our heads that if we somehow don't live up to if our if our own sense of our sexuality doesn't match what we're looking at in terms of you know seeing perfect people having perfect sex or you know reading articles about how to have better orgasms how to do this you know whatever then somehow we feel like we're lacking maybe there's something wrong with us and that's always going to be the problem with with sex in a way is is how do you deal with the issues that come up through being intimate through being vulnerable through sharing something that is on the whole that that is secret that is private you know and um and, and, and I I think we can feel disconnected from our own sexuality with having the wrong kinds of images presented to us all, all the time as much as not having any images, not having any
2: information. Right. It, you know? uh, but you're right. There is so much of it now, and people are up against the fantasy at all yeah. times. So uh, Especially, you kind of think about how in the last, I don't know, 15
13: years, the kind of way that... It, certainly images from pornography if not porn itself has become so mainstream sure and so it's gone from being something that was you know very secret and you know maybe not that many people i don't know certainly would be openly saying that they mm-hmm. were watching porn now it's become almost you know so part of the culture um and of course that's all based on fantasy it's completely based on fantasy um and so the more those kind of images or the assumptions behind the scenarios in porn or just the, the way it happens the way you see it happening That's more and more I think starting to influence a younger generation in terms of what they think sex is what what they should be Like what their role is within it and what they're supposed to do and you know That's that's never going to be a particularly healthy no. image to live up to yeah. Not that there's anything wrong I don't think per se with the pornography itself, but once it becomes something that is reinforcing certain um, uh, Identities within the sexual relationship or certain roles for women or certain ways of relating to sex and, and women for men, it's it's definitely going to affect people in a in a negative way.
2: And men are both trapped in a couple of different things now, where you still have to have that masculine thing, but you have to be open to feminine things. Mm. And um, I don't know if anyone's doing it very very well. Do you think? Do you think? I think. I mean, the, ultimately,
13: the challenge is to is is that there is no. Normal sexuality. There right. is no kind of norm, and the, and I guess the challenge is is to is to accept what your version of sexuality is. You know, to be to feel connected to that, as long as obviously it's not harming right. anyone else and and uh, or yourself, um, and it's between, you know, consenting adults. People. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, it's mainly that's the big challenge: is whatever is going on for you yeah. to kind of find a way to 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 make peace with that and accept that and embrace that, and um, and that's tough, you know. But yeah, because I think. Uh, you know, uh, talking from a male point of view, there are a lot of conflicting things out there. And and I don't think men are quite sure what they're supposed to be like. On the one hand, we still get reinforced to us that that kind of strong, silent type is the kind of the way to be masculine. And that's what women want. But then on the other hand, we're supposed to be able to express our feelings and be vulnerable and show a more feminine side and sensitive side. You know, I think that's very difficult for people to...
2: And Did it's one thing to be open to this kind of sexuality, but then you have daughters. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you kind of re- re- then you revert to being your dad in some ways. You yeah. can't help the fact that you that there's a natural urge for you to protect people who sometimes would rather not have your protection. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I
13: think it, it sort of shows up, doesn't it? That there's that. I think especially when. As a man, you become a father and you have a daughter and you see the daughter growing up and starting to deal with boys right and of course you can't help but go back in your own mind to when you were that age you were one yeah. of those boys and you kind of go oh my god right <laughs> like, what was going on in my head then is clearly what was going on in these other boys heads and this is my daughter and it sort of brings out all that yeah. kind of double standard i
2: think doesn't you know it? th- sort of... we live in double standards yeah. well there's also a thing where girls are hitting puberty at an early age and now they push the boys adolescence i just read this today goes to 25 wow. so we're now acting like Boys will not become men until they're twenty-five, mm. but physically, girls are become women at thirteen. Yeah. So now you have this long period of time mm. where your daughter is going to be dating an asshole or a moron or. Well, yeah, and and again, it's
13: you know the idea that the images that those go- that girls right. are being inundated with, as well as the boys, are all about more and more kind of. Girls being sexualized at a younger age and and those images and and what they're expected to look like and what they're expected to be like and and if you've got an everly increasing immature um, uh, male population right. dealing with a more physically mature and over-sexualized female population, <laughs> right. that's a
2: recipe for disaster. No, it, it is absolutely. And we're like, 200 years ago she was prepared to be married and have children at 14. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that is the way the world ran for a long time, uh, for good or bad, and now there it's almost one of these things where the more choices we have, the less we find ourselves being... Satisfied or happy yeah. with those choices. Well, it's
13: it's interesting because as as children we, we thrive on structure, mm-hmm. we, and I think as an actor as well, it's interesting when you do improvisation. So if if someone says right, I want you to do improvisation, if they don't give you any structure to work with, you can't do anything. Like you literally yeah. can't speak. You do, you have nothing to work with it. Whereas if you're given quite a good strong structure to work within then you feel safe and secure enough to you know and i think that's the problem with with freedom in a way right we, we want freedom but if we're given total freedom we sort of don't know what to do with it so we need a structure to work within and so too much choice at times can be just as stultifying as no choice at all
2: well you're able to do this show with showtime which 10 years ago never would have gotten on the air or whatever and now you're also competing against all these other fantastic Mm. shows so it goes back to the thing that you get more choices but now the game has to be risen
13: yeah well i mean that's something that i was very aware of as we were working on this that um the the, just the bar has been raised so high for for tv i think um in this country and 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 certainly on the kind of cable channels where you've got kind of a, a, a great kind of coming together of 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 an agenda, which is saying you can explore anything, any subject. In fact, the more controversial, the better, in some ways. And 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 you've got the sort of team who are working on it, who are so highly, you know, talented and skilled mm-hmm. now. Um, it's it, it's. I think that you know people are talking about a kind of golden age of TV. It's certainly a very very strong period for for drama mm-hmm. on TV um, and and comedy as well. But. Um, And I was very aware of that, getting into this, that here was a subject, obviously, it's going to be interesting to people. The idea of sex and sexuality being explored its you know, sex sells. Everyone's going to, you know, everyone's ears get pricked up with that. But here was a a way of dealing with it that was very intelligent, I think, and responsible um, and and exciting and bold and creative and and different. Um, And uh, so I thought that was a great combination of things. And then it's on a, a channel like Showtime where... They're just pushing you to to experiment and explore and go further, and uh, so it was a perfect combination of elements.
2: And you get to work with Lizzie Kaplan, who you can see is ready to explode in the 1960s as the show right, starts. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, she's started in the 50s, but she's exactly the type of person who. Uh, whose personality would have exploded during the 1960s yeah,
13: well, the character she plays Virginia, who, who was clearly very sexually liberated for the mm-hmm. time you know she was not a typical um, woman at the time at all, and and i 'm sure that was part of what allowed the the study to to explode so much you know um, because she was uh, she was living the life that she was exploring through the, the study as well. And Lizzie is amazing. She's, yeah, she's perfect phenomenal. casting. She's a great actress. She's great fun to be around. And it's going to be, I hope that we have the chance to keep going and work together. Uh, I do too, while.
2: because that time period that you're going to be playing all over the world, things changed. It's just so fascinating that, you know, as Masters and Johnson are exploring sex. The civil rights movement is taking place. We're going to the moon. London went from being a stodgy place to suddenly psychedelic, mm. and San Francisco explode. So th- there became this exact perfect storm mm. when this film takes yeah.
13: place. Yeah, and also one of one of the things that I was just thinking about recently as well was you know with um, with the kind of things that were happening in '63, for instance, you mm-hmm. know, like it's clearly a watershed with you know the assassinations that were happening, and and it was a real climate of of fear i would imagine at the time a real right. sense of you know like nine eleven in a way like what's gonna happen next if that if this can happen then you know if kennedy can be shot then what else can happen and i know that um in my own life and, I, and i'm sure other people have talked about this is when if you do have a brush with death in some way if you have a brush with uncertainty and fear and and your own mortality then you do kind of cling to sex i think <laughs> like there's an urge yeah. there is a kind of death sex thing that happens hurricane babies yeah exactly yeah and i and i wonder if you know because masters and johnson published their findings in 64 um and and with what had happened in '63, whether there is uh, a, a connection there as well—that the way the way that the the sort of sexual revolution started to engage around the, you know that period in the '60s, whether it's connected to that kind of that people just wanted to cl- literally cling to each other, yeah, in the light of what had been happening in the year before and what was ongoing, and so much uncertainty with civil rights and,
2: uh, and everything. Yeah, I was in New York after you know nine eleven during that whole period, and afterward people were going to a lot of clubs People were hugging, just, like, glad yeah. to see their friends. You want to celebrate life then, more. Yeah. yeah, but you're not even consciously doing that. You're mm. just like, this is great. There was also this strange thing that a lot of people got caught up with photography, where suddenly everyone went, like, I want have a camera and start taking pictures. Mm. And later I read this thing that subconsciously people were recording just in case things went away. Right. So they were yeah. holding things more precious. Which,
13: again, is another form of loss, isn't it? Death, yeah. Or just going away yeah something to do with shoring that up. There's a T.S. Eliot poem, The Wasteland, where he says, you know, these fragments I have shored against my ruin. And that's always been a line that has stayed with me, that we at that, that, uh, times of great stress and difficulty, there are certain fragments that we've come across in our life, whether it be snatches of conversation or photographs you've yeah. seen or what, little Music, memories. whatever, that it, yeah. That's what kind of becomes meaningful about life. And the idea that they can just be washed away in a moment, I think, does make you want to cling to it more, doesn't
2: it? Yeah, and I'll, I'll almost experience it more uh, here's another interesting thing. While you're doing this television show, and this is change other, you're still doing movies. You just signed for a big movie yesterday. The news was out. Mm-hmm. So you, there's more freedom in yeah, acting yeah. than ever before. Well,
13: you know, doing a show on Showtime is five months shooting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like on the major networks where you're pretty much doing it all year round. Um, so I get the time to do you know whatever I want to do really. After we shoot it in L.A. Um, So I'm that's which is where I live my daughter lives there So I want to be with my daughter and and so it's for five months I know I don't have to go anywhere else, which is great having that security is very different for me I'm not used to that staying in one place for that long Um, But then the rest of the year, you know, you're free to do anything else, which is great
2: Is this the first time that you had that thing where you could be close to your daughter and? Maybe set up that kind of a schedule well, yeah,
13: you know in the past if if I wanted to make sure that I was You know, she's Mm -hmm. in school. She's 14 and and, um, if it, it sort of meant that I had to not work really you know, like, right. that was the only way to stay there, because so little gets made in L.A. now. You know, you get the jobs there, but yeah. then you're off around the rest of the world filming them. Um, so so it was great to be able to have as close to a nine-to-five job as I've ever had, where I work, you know, Monday to Friday, weekends free, evenings free, and I could, you know, be there for the school stuff and be there on the weekend. for. Uh,
2: the show is called uh, Masters of Sex, premieres this Sunday, night, 10 o'clock, on Showtime. It is the story about Masters and Johnson and how these two people kind of changed the way the world looked at sex. It's a fascinating story. Uh, and Michael, so much fun to have you drop by. Oh, it's I a
5: pleasure. appreciate it. Lovely to speak. I'll
2: you. see you next time coming through. Great. It's around a face show.
8: was
2: Michael Sheehan? He's such a great actor. Um, Frost Nixon, to me, is one of those small films that's just perfect. Uh, This thing, he plays kind of a stodgy dude who's interested in sex. And uh, even in the, uh, you know, he's with Lizzie Kaplan. And they're putting on this, they're actually watching people have sex, yeah. watching people masturbate. And none of this stuff was accepted by the hospitals, even though this guy's this brilliant guy. The hospitals are like, this is not research, it's pornography. How people come, you're disgusting for even bringing this up. <laughs> um, and you know, you see him being, and you know, enlightened and moving. No, this is, causes so much thing. But like literally through the first episode, he's like... You know, I think for the sake of research, and, uh, you know, so we stay out of transference with these people, you and I should join into this and start having sex. For, and you're like, you <laughs> just want to fuck her, dude. It's for science. You just want to bang her.
3: Sure, it's Lily Kaplan, for science.
2: Yeah, for science. Um, did you see who the mom of his kid is?
3: Yeah, I just looked it up. It's Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, he's done pretty well. Damn, Michael Sheen.
2: He's done pretty well. Fuck. The ladies like Michael Sheen. Obviously. Castro is smitten with him as well. What are you talking about? Oh, our Castro? Yeah. I forgot we called Stephanie Castro. Let's bring her back in. She's... uh. What are you doing the typing for? I think she was printing something. Oh, she's printing something. Oh, I got so slow. Really fun. Well, you brought her name up, and then we thought we'd go to it. But I. By the way, I forgot we were calling you Castro. I should have called you Stephanie today. Uh, you're not allowed to get crushes on our guests.
9: Uh, he was outside, and he smiled at me, and I yeah. smiled back. And
2: we're we, in love now. We're, now, I want you to know the deep end of the pool. Say again who his kid's uh, mom is. Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, so that's Sorry. out of your league. That's out of your league. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's out of your league. Yeah. Look at this face. Why does she, she, she is so confident in her beauty. Oozing, oozing confidence. Yeah.
9: You guys read that off of me?
2: <laughs> huh? <Sad. laughs> you just said.
9: It's, you're hotter than Kate uh, Beckinsale. Yeah.
2: No one says stuff like that. Why not? Because she's a world-class beauty. So am I. You really think?
9: Absolutely. Why shouldn't I think that?
2: Mm. See, that's that's nice. See, this is what we've done. We brought up our children with confidence.
3: Yeah. A plus number
2: one. <laughs> All right. I, well, now, when you were doing the smiling, smiling back and forth, You took that as a sexual moment between the two of you? Or did you just think, he's a nice man and he smiles at me? I didn't think, oh, guess who wants to sleep with me? (laughs) Michael Sheen from Frost Nixon. Now, you're gritting while she's doing this. Do you find that kind of confidence that she has off-putting?
9: Intimity I I don't know.
7: the The right person might be not intimidating.
2: You're turned off by all women, though. (laughs) That's (laughs) it. You never say, oh, that woman's fantastic.
3: Any woman that's come in here since his internship, no love for any of
2: them. Yes, he's despised them all. Now, we got into this, and this is an actual piece in uh, a study got done, that adulthood for males, I believe, and maybe even women, I'm not sure, the end of adolescence is until 25 now. Now, you can look at Shelby, and if we were doing some kind of Jump Street bullshit, <laughs> you know what I mean, we could get him in a private school. He would oh, get. Yeah. I couldn't put him in a school in the Bronx. They would run him down. <laughs> I, if I put him in the eighth grade in the Bronx, I, I would worry about his safety. he get turned out. <laughs> but I would put him in Connecticut in a private school sure. and say, find out. Who's sharing Adderall? (laughs) Do you think that she's too confident for you? No, not... no.
7: (laughs) I like a girl that's confident because it kind of fills in for my lack
2: of confidence.
7: Why would you have a lack of confidence? I don't know, I have terrible
2: self-confidence. You've been with women before, right? Yeah. But real women or fantasy lie made-up women? Like a real right doll.
9: Right hand or your left hand? Oh, <laughs> shit! Oh, damn!
2: Never gives away of <laughs> us. Um, now, that, now you're beat red. Now, wh- by the way, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you try to bring his confidence up? Why would you want to hurt him while he's floating in the water? You're the one who just gave us the social experiment that we're all going to love and help each other.
9: Because that he practically handed that to me. I had Yo, to go I understand. I had to go. With
2: that. Oh, I understand. If I see an old lady with a bag, I'm gonna grab it though. I feel like she's giving it away. Grab those
7: boards. I mean, you're gonna put it back.
9: I mean, nobody can tell you to be confident. You have to truly believe it yourself. My why? Parents, why
2: are you so confident?
9: Because I used to be 200 pounds. I you. used to be yeah. When? I'll fucking slap you real yeah. hard. <laughs> Wait.
2: Whoa, well, whoa, well, he's a guest. Come <laughs> on. Stuff.
9: I used to be a lot heavier, and then
2: Started throwing I... up? And no.
9: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you. Were you confident when you were a big girl?
9: I always... I was always told I was very pretty. Uh-huh. And I always had boyfriends. Always. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Happy I guess because churches. I'm... No, I guess because I'm tall, the weight spread out. So it wasn't... Because I saw myself and I never thought, like, oh, fuck, like, I'm fat, like, or, oh, shit. Like, when I saw on the scale 200 pounds, I was just like, fuck. Yeah. And then, you know, just like... I was also in a really bad situation, like, a bit bad relationship, so that just made me, like, depressed and want to eat. But then after I got rid of that guy, I started taking care of myself and really, like... <laughs> figuring out my self-worth, and then I myself built my own confidence, and I I can walk around now and be like, I can conquer any man that I want to, if I just point my finger.
2: We know because you (laughs) tell us that all the time. Yeah, I guess you... And, Shelby, you think that's almost off-putting.
7: Again, for like the right person, then if it, they have like too much confidence and they're not all that, then you're just like, shut the hell up.
2: Alright, um, Michael Sheen is going to do this movie with Carrie Mulligan, right? Um, she came in to do the show, and she is a world-class beauty. I mean, when she goes places, paparazzi takes pictures of her, she came in dressed down, not wearing any makeup, being humble, and nice, and more or less normal. Yeah. You know what I mean, not a diva. She's a regular girl. She was stunning to all of us, yet she made people feel comfortable. You came in and purposely tried to make him feel uncomfortable. Heard his feelings. And then acted like you and Michael Sheen had a moment <laughs> when he was nice to everyone. Sometimes I think the confidence thing could be faking it until you make it? Are you truly confident or are you acting like if I show confidences, confidence in myself, people will believe it?
9: I think for me personally, I'm working with it for it to be more sincere in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like, now that I'm in like a stable relationship with this guy that... For now. I'm going to marry this kid, okay? So, you know, it's just... He he builds my confidence So it's just like I dress down when I'm with him I don't wear any makeup I could give two shits And he loves me And he thinks that I'm beautiful And all that stuff And with him I'm building my confidence Like before when I was single I would like dress up And try to get like Male attention or whatever To get that reassurance But then slowly like I figure out how to develop my own confidence and self-worth, but it's a working process. Like, I have to look at myself in the mirror and be like, you're worth it, you're beautiful and all that stuff, because if you don't do that and you do the opposite, then you're just digging a hole for yourself.
7: Does he know you used to be, like, three bills? (laughs) Two. I was (laughs) rounding (laughs) up.
9: All
2: right, by the way, this also got sent in from Robbie. Michael Sheenan also dated Rachel McAdams. Jesus Christ. World class pussy. All right. Well, you know what, Shelby? Why? Yeah. Shelby the there's a <laughs> young lady here, and I talked to her parents, and I talked to her boyfriend, and I've uh, told them that this is going to be a safe environment for her. That's the established <laughs> that we have. This is the safe, safe zone. environment. Safe
0: zone. Safety.
2: Would you like to fill out any forms against Shelby right now, or are you okay? Yeah. You don't Not want yet. to fill out any forms? Okay. <laughs>
3: God. Oh, Shelby's just fucking getting off on the wrong foot here.
2: That's Shelby because he feels bad about himself, so he has to bring everybody down to his level.
3: Okay.
9: How old are you?
2: 22 years old. Oh, young. so
9: you haven't hit that 25 mark yet?
2: Oh, yeah, I do <laughs> Now, Fez, let's see what you did with your mustache today.
1: Um, took it, um...
2: Let's just say, Take your headphones off. Yeah, I don't think that's what we're looking at.
1: Tried to make it one long mustache across my face. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know yet. I really miss the fact that the center part looks so puffy. The separating. Side, yeah, the separating. sides give it some, you know, width.
3: It makes it look more like a beard. Or or it's yeah. not just a mustache. Where it's just it's part of a whole beard overall
2: thing. The mustache does not look as puffy. As it used to. That's what we loved it the most. And this is all my fault for getting involved. This is me just trying to take something that was great and make it better. And then fucking it up.
3: Maybe, Fez, you're, you put product in your mustache.
2: I come. You <laughs> well, know something, no. shall be. That's another I, place that you made somebody else feel uncomfortable. Cruise. I'm sorry, Fez. Where were you?
1: I was going to say yes. Come. No, I haven't put cum in it not yet.
2: You don't even have to no.
1: explain that. That's going to gonna happen by accident at, at some point. It's not um, an I put wax in it, but that really thins it out and takes away from the bulkiness. Yeah, of it's it.
2: got to be bulky.
1: You need volume.
2: You don't. Yeah, <laughs> you don't clip it over your mouth, do you? Take
3: oh a,
6: no. Take a Ugh. comb
2: and comb it straight down. Oh. Fez loves when we talk about any physicality of him. Doesn't matter whether it's a bad thing, a good thing. He just loves it. See, that's the thing I think you want to go for is like the walrus mustache, <laughs> the David Crosby. But yeah, the, the, get rid of all the sideburns. They're just a mistake. Okay. They're a gigantic mistake. And blame me on your. When you fill out the report later, blame Ron for wanting to take things up <laughs> too many notches.
3: There's a facial hair report?
2: Yeah. Just get the mohawk done, and then we'll be finished. <laughs>
3: Mo or foe, Hawk?
2: You were quite the discussion last night, because you weren't as outgoing um, the last time people saw you, because some of the same people, uh, Don and Johnny and everybody who saw you being so fun the other night, said you were back to your quiet self.
1: Yeah, last night was not a Xanax night at the Eddie Trunk signing party.
2: Um did you pee in a bucket? There was a rumor that you might have peed in a bucket. No,
1: I don't know where that rumor started. Well, there was
2: a bucket that smelled pissy, oh. and they thought it was you. I thought it might have been Buckethead who was there. What a what a night of just great musicians and stars. Did Buckethead have the bucket on? Um, yeah. He doesn't oh, go anywhere oh, without fuck it. Fuck yeah. Uh, Bob Groen, the great rock photographer, That's was there. Awesome. Uh, we had people from the world of sports, like oh. Piazza was oh, there.
9: Oh, shit.
2: You didn't want to go to this party? You were invited. I had some stuff to do. Why
9: oh, wasn't I invited?
2: Um, we. Whites only. Uh, you know, that's not true, and that could be part of your report if you need to fill it out. But we can't party with interns. That sucks. Yeah. Mm-mm. That is part of our thing here. Yeah. No partying with interns. How's Pips doing? Is he feeling any better? Yeah, he's feeling a little better. I worry about Pips all the time. He's such a good kid. And he. you know, he's not on his own in the world. You don't know what it's like not to have parents to watch over you, Chris. <laughs> I
3: do know. My parents have passed away. We've got over this. Hmm. It's come up before.
2: I got a lot of parents. <laughs> really? How many? <laughs> Twice as many as any of us. Huh? He's got none, so there is no twice for none. Yeah, zero.
3: Two times zero is fucking zero.
2: Still, you don't have to curse, Chris. Oh, well, you know this... You know what? Shelby looks up to you, yeah. and then he hears that kind of language, and then he repeats it to, to young ladies. Don't
3: do to that to world class beauties, young ladies. <laughs> Make Kate Beckinsale look like shit. Apparently,
2: Kate Beckinsale used to weigh two fifty, so you could turn it around. All right, have you had a choice in life? Spend a night with Kate Beckinsale. Or Rachel McAdams. Where do you go? McAdams.
9: Beckinsale. Beckinsale.
0: Michael Sheen. That's... (laughs) You
2: realize how gay that that turns
0: out. Oh, yeah. Y'all know it's time for some of that gay talk. It's a very scary
3: moment. (laughs)
2: Uh, the very confident Castro is sitting in with us today. She's extremely confident. Uh, here's another guy who dropped a lot of weight. Hard Rock Johnny. Johnny! Hello, boys. Thanks for having us over last night.
4: No, no problem. Fezzy was, I thought he was fine last night. Maybe not as, you know... Uh, maybe it was because he wasn't wearing that jacket. Maybe that was the confidence thing.
2: He, worked it, he uh, worked it through. He certainly did not play up the fact that you felt uneasy. Um, but you said you did feel uneasy, huh?
1: Yeah, I was very uneasy. I and just kind of got a seat in the corner and stayed there. I really didn't oh. mingle.
2: You called it underground to me. You said mm. you felt like we're underground. I go, no, we're on the first floor. That's not <laughs> underground.
4: I, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure. I figured I got a little bit of the uneasy vibe as he was sitting there just running his fork back and forth on the tablecloth for a while. I was yeah,
2: I saw that. <laughs> too.
4: Oh my God. I think I need doing to that or trying to carve his name in the table. I wasn't sure.
2: And speaking of the vibe, the vibe manager was there, Earl, Black Earl <laughs> Douglas, uh, with an iPad changing the music. Oh, good. From one very low-playing metal song to another, <laughs> but you never heard a uh, metal being played at such so few decibels. Come on, Earl.
4: Well, metal. The funny thing was, Earl A wasn't working, and B wasn't even invited to the party. He just no. <laughs> so he ended up coming to the party and working. It was weird.
2: That's Earl. Yeah,
4: was, you know, <laughs> he, was, he was. He had a good time, I think. Though he could tell. He
2: Earl always had a good Earl time was... if there's something free. <laughs> I saw him putting sliders in his pockets for later. Did
3: he get any drinks? Oh yeah. Really? Ah, fuck. we love to see him all messed
2: up. He came in there with rubber pockets, and he was pouring <laughs> soup in his pockets.
4: <laughs>
3: Peppy, where were you last night? You could have come and hung out. I was. Here at Sirius XM, I apologize. And if I went to an open bar, I'm, I would have been fucking awful.
2: Why do you got to act like that? Why can't you just say, I'm just going to have a couple? I can't. If it's open,
3: no. It's, I would have gotten you a big growler from in the back. Then I'm you are an and addict and it. we
9: should be taking you to rehab.
2: I just That's why I try to
3: stay away from open bars.
9: When something's free, something's free.
2: Yeah. We understand, big girl. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs>
3: oh, shit.
2: I really broke it down for a second. <laughs> She was eating a fucking ham off a pitchfork when she was 12. <laughs> um, so a lot of people loving on the uh, Shelby, all because of the gay talk. And... Um, mm, this is not a great white show. Oh, that was Shelby's big line. Uh, let's go over to... Uh, yeah let's go over to uh, Joe in Jersey City hey Joe
4: hey what's going on guys hey. uh, you know Chris had mentioned uh, uh, something earlier about you know Mohawk and fauxhawk, and then I started thinking about Fezzi, and you know the fact that he really hasn't gone all the way yet and I'm thinking would it be wrong to refer to him as a FOMO
0: oh yeah y'all know it's time for some of that gay dog oh. That's <laughs> disgusting uh,
2: Would you prefer being known as a FOMO Fuzzy?
1: No, because I don't feel like I'm a FOMO. Mm. I am actually gay. Mm.
2: Oh, so you've had gay sex? No, none right, Oral I were sex. I thought actually gay Would your, no, your brother has had gay sex, right? Yes. Well you won't ask him because it's your brother.
9: I mean, I know. I don't want to have that conversation with him because right. to me, he just doesn't have a penis. Mm. Because he's my brother. I'm sure well, I don't have genitals well, to yeah. him.
2: Mm. <laughs> you are way too blunt for my comfortability. With family members,
9: too. Yes.
2: <laughs> I cannot be this blunt. Um, I want everyone to be a FOMO in here. I don't want any more... <laughs> sexuality coming up on this show. Um, Here's Bill in Boston. You're on the Run of Fez show.
4: Hey, Ron. I figure Shelby's only figured out half of it so far. Do you think you could be the first ever gay racist?
2: Oh, no, 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 no. There's a lot of gay racists. Um, Here's Chaz in Tucson. You're on the Run of Fez show.
4: Hey, how's it going, Ronnie? Hey, buddy. Hey, So I'm just reading an article here about the shooting in uh, Long Island at the mall. And it, it's saying that it's a six-foot-two, 63-year-old Asian man. Then they'll it down to, like, fucking four people on Earth. How hard is it going to be to find this fucking
2: guy? I hadn't heard this story. A very tall, elderly Asian guy shooting at people. He a young man.
3: Was at, uh, oh, was you a know real, what? 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 <laughs> He's getting up there.
2: He's 7'4". <laughs> He's <laughs> nowhere close to that. Depending on eyewitnesses.
3: Maybe they were fucking thrown off.
2: I am not comfortable with tall Asians anymore more than I am happy about jumbo shrimp. I don't want, I don't want either. Um, he
1: was last seen, uh, fleeing the scene in a white Honda Pilot. So those knees have to be up around his ears if you're looking for this car.
2: You are such a fucking racist. Unbelievable. And I'm saying the a, Honda Pilot is a tiny car. And a, oh, yes, and someone over six foot can't drive now. Uh, and there's no D in scene, so you've got to be careful with that. He was last seen. To, um, Radio Shark has a new character named Ralph in Delaware um, that he's trying to get on the air. But we will not be playing it. <laughs> Um, Grizz, you're on the run of Fez show.
4: Yeah, Fez, I mean, if you're looking for a gay haircut, why don't you just shave your head with the words, I'm gay in it, like black basketball players do? Well,
1: have you considered that, Fez? No, I haven't, cons- I haven't thought of that. Or just put
2: bottom. Elderly bottom. <laughs> Would you have any problem the with back. elderly bottom? <laughs> yeah, that's all the only way they're going to be able to read it. Damn. If it's in the back and you're fucking face down, no, no. I still have to keep this bit going until someone gets it. I just have to keep pushing this rock until they understand what I'm doing. <laughs> um, here's uh, Jay. You're on the run of Fez show.
4: Hey uh, Ron, I would like to get uh Fez's opinion on this as well. Um I was in a MMA class yesterday and I accidentally grabbed a guy's ball. Does that make me more gay or less gay than
0: Fez?
2: No, that's gonna depend. Did you hold on to him till he came?
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Y'all know it's time for some of that gay talk. Oh, okay, I hate that last Jesus.
2: part. Uh James, you're on the Run of Fez show.
4: Hey guys, just wanted to give uh, Fez a little heads up. So, just so you don't sound like a dumbass, Fez, a pilot, Honda Pilot is their SUV. It's their big vehicle.
2: Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's a Christ. tiny little Sorry. SUV. Uh, John There's... and Queen, you're on the Run of Fez show.
4: Yeah, Ronnie. Uh, Fez, it, it's a big ass SUV, you fucking
0: faggot. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Why is everyone
1: laughing at that?
0: That's horrible. Oh, yeah. Y'all know it's time for some of that gay talk. Let me just explain something. Oh. Oh. Fez
2: heard Honda, and a naturally his racism took him into tiny, tiny little Asian people. Uh <laughs> oh, sorry. We apologize.
9: Didn't we just have a talk about racism? Yeah, we did. Asian
2: cars. <laughs> we did.
9: Do Asians not count? <laughs>
2: So Fez can be very, very racist. <laughs> very racist. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he can
3: get real bad. I yeah. know from experience. But dude.
2: then he thinks it's better when he goes, Yeah, but there still are some good ones and then <laughs> he makes it feel like from that point on um that it's okay. It doesn't justify Fez. No. <laughs> should break right now. <laughs> I know, because as many times as I ask for things to be said in a microphone, we still write them down.
3: We should break. Nope. We, we don't we have time break. to break. We have to We have to break.
2: I'm in the middle of this fucking thing about, we finally caught Fez as an Asian. I got Johnny on the phone.
3: <laughs> we, have, we
2: have to catch up here. Um, I Johnny, later. I noticed that none of Eddie Trunk's uh, co-hosts from his TV show um, showed up last night no
4: no don was there no uh no florentine but don was see there
2: don, the whole time i was there
4: yeah for the giant sideburns
2: oh well i know he has giant sideburns
4: he was there yeah he was, he was really tight to piazza the whole night
2: oh i get it
4: right. well no i didn't mean that i mean they were just standing next to each other
2: because i've pitched Eddie Trunk did I co-host that show. We get rid of his other co host, and I go with him, and I already got the first guest. Who's that? Rufus Wainwright. <laughs> because I want to make the show, like, a little, you know what I mean? I don't want it to be so meddly that we can't have some different kind of people. Um, by the way, who did Michael Sheen drop on his T.S. Eliot? Yeah. Now, see, that's the kind of fucking guys I should be hanging out with. It's out of nowhere. Just start quoting poetry. Fuck. I came back with um, with the Archies. I said, well, you know, honey, sugar, sugar, you are my candy girl. You got me wanting you. Uh, A piece of paper tells me I should break, Johnny, so I got to talk to you later.
4: All right, boys. Good seeing you.
0: And we'll be right back after this. Oh, yeah. Y'all know it's time for some of that gay talk. (sighs) <sighs> You're enjoying the Run and Fest show on Sirius XM's and Anthony channel. More in moments.
2: A crazy Wednesday coming up in a little bit uh, James Kahn James Kahn On the Ron and Fez show He wants to talk about his new TV show Which is uh, coming out Tonight September 25th 8 o'clock On ABC ABC That's called Back in the Game, where he plays this kind of rough-and-tumble baseball coach who's uh, helping to coach his daughter's team and his effeminate Shelby-like grandson. Sounds like something I'd be interested in. I just offered to have a picture taken with you and Robin Williams because he's doing a town hall today with Entertainment Weekly. And you said no. You did not want to get. I don't like taking
7: photos with
2: celebrities. I don't. It's weird. Like,
7: hey, I don't know you. You don't know me. Let's take a picture together.
2: Why would you just run down Jim Norton and his biggest pastime? He loves it.
7: Great comedian, but I don't understand that at (laughs) all. (laughs) Do you think Robin Williams is a great comedian?
2: Absolutely.
7: He's. I don't know how he does it so quick and all those. Well, he thinks.
2: Um, who's your favorite comedian of all time? Oh, Jesus, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. All right, give me your top three. Top
7: three, I'd say prior. I think live in concert, I could watch that like every sure. day. Uh, I don't know, I just have so many less like small ones that probably, I mean, Jimmy, he's like one of my favorites of all time. And Louis C.K. I say like the first like special that I saw was Gary Goleman. Like that like kinda made me wanna try
2: it. Just a lot of small ones. Your passion is almost non existent. Not passionate a lot of <laughs> No, you're <shit>. not. <laughs> Something horrible happened to you as a child. I don't know what it is, but I'd like to give you a pill. One of those gene pills, so it stops hurting you. Yeah. Uh, you put something up on the iBang uh, about the Middle East. What is it exactly? Well,
7: I've been this with a lot of, like, the Egypt and Syria, and you, every time I hear about the Middle East from just people that I know or even just people I, like, around here, it's always, oh, they're savages. They're just animal people. We should just turn that whole continent into a parking lot. But I I just, people, I don't think they really know and understand, like, even, they just generalize the entire place. And, yes, they obviously have a lot of things to improve on just with human rights, but they just immediately paint the whole place like So you're saying you love the Middle East? Yeah, I love parts of their culture, and I think Well, what do you
2: love, just off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, I... There's nothing off the top of your head. I mean, you may have went, done some research, to... but there's nothing off the top of your head that you really love.
7: I did, well, a lot of their culture, I'm trying to say, is a lot similar to ours than people think. Well, oh, give me one. They have rappers. They have com Comedians, they have singers that are just like us, but since they're so arts, you're saying they adopted some stuff from us and we should love it, and they put their own kind of spin on it, but you don't really hear about
2: that when it's portrayed in the media at all. Everybody attacks the media around here. You guys realize that you want to work in the media, right? That ain't my media. This is so. the media, whether you like it or not. You're part of the system, dude. Yeah, you're a fucking cog in the wheel, a big brother's wheel. And I've talked to people and
7: like when they think of Saudi Arabia, they just immediately think of all the people are either have just some giant beard and they're all angry or it's just a woman wearing a turban and forced to cover up, which it's not the case at all. Why don't you go over there then?
2: Why don't you be my correspondent? I would. Let's get this green card going. Uh, I'll give this seven minutes. (laughs) Seven minutes before they turn you out. I'd be better off a lot of people.
3: <laughs> yeah, you're you're
2: I I think trying. you'd be safer going to sig <laughs> Um here's uh Craig, you're on the Run of show.
4: Hey Ronnie. Hey Shelby, you're fucking this up, man. When you said that you had comedians that weren't well known, why the fuck didn't you say big Jay Okerson Get back on his good side? Come on, dude.
7: We have our differences Maybe
2: someday we'll be able to work those out Alright Somebody just said I hear that Ezra was talking crazy Yesterday Oh no 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 he wasn't I don't know what happens with Twitter It's
7: just a hodgepodge of He said she said
2: Okay Everybody's cool
12: But
7: I think that in the Middle East, like we try to force our culture onto them, and I like a lot of I think like a brilliant thing that Colin Quinn said in his special like long story short it was on uh-huh. Broadway like it was a comedic thing, but he was saying, yeah, we try to like put democracy on them and stuff, but there's some parts of our culture like Lil Wayne and Girls Gone Wild Ooh. that you know I don't think they would like, but they can take. You know, aspects like some of our music and television put their own spin on them.
2: I got news for you. The things that I don't like about the Middle East have nothing to do with Little Wayne yes. or fucking Girls Going Wild. It's about them you know b- throwing rocks at women until the women are dead or gays or being so caught up in their religion. One of the reasons why I couldn't call this guy I didn't know today your holiness the way fez was comfortable doing or chris was comfortable doing is i don't know whether we need to be dropping down on one knee to some dude that we haven't felt has earned our respect yet
7: but when you said them throwing rocks at women that isn't that isn't happening every day the reason why we hear about it is
2: because it's such like a shocking thing it's like that and then why don't i see the police roll up and fucking arrest people when they're, because a woman had sex with someone, she's getting fucking rocks thrown at her until she's dead. Yeah, that doesn't happen, like, all the time. But when it does happen, they're, you know what I mean? Like, I get that we don't always have mall shooters, but when we do, don't you think our society reacts to it somewhat? We send the cops out there? These people are able to throw rocks at women and then go home and have a sandwich. I'm going to guess sandwich. I don't know if they are bread or not. Falafel. I'm going to guess a wrap. Falafel. Shwarma. Okay, that's, uh-huh. Huh?
9: On non bread.
2: That does. <laughs> all right. So all that's up on the. Uh, um, I Bang. Here's Chris, Chris and PA. You're on the Run show.
4: Yeah, I'll be on a little show. I was in, in the army in Somalia, and none other than the half a percent of the people that wanted to kill us, everyone else was the nicest people over there. They would constantly bring us food that they didn't even have that much of to give us, and they were just friendly and nice. It would be like lumping all of Illinois because
2: of a South Chicago. I um, I always think that that's an interesting premise, too. That if you were really honest about it, there would be a certain percentages of dicks in every country. Not just dicks, but also assholes. There's a certain percentage of every society who has the fucking bad crew. When
7: I'm talking about the Middle East, I'm not saying that they're perfect at all. They're far from it. But it's not fair to portray the entire countries as savages and terrorists. As People that I know and respect, that I'm friends with, honestly think that Al Jazeera is connected with terrorism. And they're run by a terrorist organization. Which is insane to me. You watch Al Jazeera all the time? Yeah, well, I don't watch it. I get my news like, from them like
2: on the internet. On their oh, website? Fine. Okay, I'm just putting that in your report. You're being watched Good. by okay. the CIA, NSA, perfect, and oddly the NCAA. <laughs> you are not playing basketball next year, mister. Um, red shirt. Here is... Um, uh, let's go over to Joe. Joe, you're on the run show.
4: Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Shelby, listen, question for you. I'm a, I'm a Marine Corps veteran. I've been to the Middle East multiple areas multiple times now. You're, you're getting your information. You make some good points. You're saying that, you know, the horror stories that we all hear about the Middle East, that's just what we get from the media and the vast majority of people take it as gospel. But where are you getting all your information that things are not like that?
7: I know Middle Eastern people. I've had professors that are Middle Eastern that I've talked to, and they are not... I, Did I've,
2: they take baths with you? What was that? Did they take baths with you?
7: No baths were taken. Just like All right,
2: Shelby's box is up on the iBang if anybody wants to comment. All right, here's the story that shocked me. Is it a fake punt if you kick it? Fez, what would you say? If you kick the ball, is it a punt? Yeah,
1: it's a punt. You kicked it.
2: Yeah. I want you to see this play uh, up on the I-Bang under, if, is it a fake punt, if you kicked it. Uh, watch the, turn up the thing, watch this. I think Morehouse was in this game, but I don't know the school who did this, but let's give it a watch.
4: Buried a punt. He hadn't been very busy tonight. It's a little rugby kick,
3: which is legal. What? And it's picked up by a Colonel, Trey Thomas. And the Colonels get the first down. That is a legal play, correct? All right, load
4: up the highlight. That's got to go to ESPN. (laughs) That has to go to SportsCenter. All right, let's watch the
2: play from the beginning. What makes it a rugby kick? Does it have to hit the ground first?
1: It seemed like just the style of the way he was kicking it. Well, what
2: is the style?
1: Where it's just grabbing it and kicking it off to the side.
2: All right, let's watch the kick and see how the kick is different than a punt. Uh, I mean, your way of going—if you shanked a fucking punt, does that mean someone can catch it? I've seen punters shank a punt. That's bullshit. No QB. It's in the record book. If
7: he, like, Peyton Manning, snaps it and just boots it down the field to Wes Welker, with is that? I don't think that's a leak. I,
2: I I do not know. The fucking guy just—this is what he did.
3: Instead of fucking facing forward to fucking kick it, he just turned to the fucking right and then kicked it.
2: That shouldn't make that shouldn't be anything different than fucking catching the goddamn ball. They <laughs> called it a rugby-style punt or kick. The person, the receiver, caught this and ran. Now, the weird thing is, if he would have thrown a pass, it would have been simpler. You know what I mean? Like, it was <laughs> only accurate. about fucking, yeah. It was only about maybe 10, 12 yards uh, tops. Um, here's Walker. He knows a little bit about this. You're on the Run-A-Fez show.
4: Hey Ron, that's actually uh, Morehead is the blue and yellow team, and Eastern Kentucky University is the one that, that actually kicked the ball. Okay, um, so I went down there for grad school. It's but now Shelby can make some, you know, off the cuff jokes he about don't, Morehead. Don't
2: don't let him do it. He's <laughs> um, But that thing is is legal. Chris, you're on the Run and face Show.
4: Hey man, listen. The reason that that's legal. Is
2: because it taps the ground first. Right, I just uh, asked two different guys that. Um, now, here's the other side of it. I know you can do a drop kick like that and kick a field goal if you wanted to. Do you ever try to drop kick a ball? No. Just as it hits the ground, you kick it, and it's the old style, um, like 1920s. Way that they would kick field goals. Uh here is Dave, you're on the Run and Fez show.
4: Hey Ron. Uh supposedly it's illegal. It's legal because it doesn't pass the line of scrimmage.
2: I think he passed the line of scrimmage there. I'm not exactly sure. And I don't have anybody on that screen, but yeah, he looks like he's about four or five yards down the line. Yeah, yeah.
1: it passed the line of scrimmage. It was about five yards past. All right. That's what I read this morning, and I apologize
3: then. All right, peace. So this is a lot of bullshit.
2: All right, John wants to explain how the rules work. Go ahead, John.
3: Hey, guys. Uh,
4: Ron, you were on the right path. It's an attempted field goal and therefore a live ball.
2: All right, so it's an attempted at what?
4: It's an attempted field goal.
2: Now, what exactly is that?
4: Just like when you snap and go for three, you know, snap and kick it for three points.
2: Okay, so under block, the same block. premise of a field goal, and, and if you try to kick a field goal and it's laying there on the, on the ground, your team can pick it up and go? It's a
4: live ball.
2: I've never seen that happen before. I know a block kick you can pick up, but I've never seen like a shanked field goal. So here would be the premise. Ball. So try to have a field goal set up like you're going to have a 40-yard field goal. Right. Send your two guys to the middle of the field, kick that thing about 10, 15 yards, <laughs> and then have them kind of more or less recover the fumble.
4: Yes, because uh, people, it was, I played small ball. We ran a wing tee, and if you were trying a long field goal, you would set someone like a punt returner back in the end zone in case it was short. You could the returning team could take it, pick it up, and run. So it's a lot. It, I couldn't. I didn't see the play. Did it touch? The, uh, the defensive player at no. the, all? Did they kick it, touch
12: anyone?
2: Didn't no, touch okay. anybody. When It looked like uh, that the person caught it himself. Then are you allowed to punt it through the uprights? Uh, that's no. That's a touchback. Yeah, that's a touchback. That would not matter.
1: I mean, uh, this looked more like an onside kick than anything. Even more than a punt. Even though it was the punter kicking it.
2: Um... Greg in Iowa, you're on the Run Fest Show.
1: Hey guys,
4: sorry. Listen, as so, so as long as it's just like fumbling the ball and then putting it, as long as it doesn't go out of bounds, it's a live ball. You know, so it's uh, as long as it touches the ground before he kicks it, it's a live ball. And if he's as good as his aim, you're in luck, right?
2: So why don't they try that more in the in the pros?
4: Well, probably because most of the time you end up hitting the guy in the helmet or you know, it's coming from the foot. I mean, you don't get a lot of elevation, and the, the, you need a pretty good opening to boot it. such so how they go sideways. Yeah,
2: but, you know, you, if you have a soccer player, those guys have pretty deadly aim. Um, here's Al in Maryland. You're on the Run of Fez show.
4: Ronnie, hey, the Baltimore Ravens did this against uh, Denver a couple of Monday nights. Uh, it was a couple years ago, Monday night football. Ed Reed caught a Short field goal at the goal line and ran him back like 102 yards. It was a record that's since been broken, but uh, I guess that sounds similar because the ball hit the ground, they kicked it. It didn't score any goal, but he caught it, returned it. If it hit the ground, it's that ball, but he caught it, ran it all the way back for touchdown. Very exciting. I was there.
2: Peace. All right, cool. Uh, Brian, you're on the Run and Ron Feds yeah. show.
4: Ron, if you watch, go back. The ball did not go past the 40, the ball is snapped at the 40. The receiver runs out and comes back and catches it. So the ball does not go past the line
1: of scrimmage.
2: All uh, right. I can't see it directly from here. Fez is on it. Go ahead. Fez click click play.
1: I am and it's not playing.
2: I got to find a it spot. It escaped. It I escaped. I got to find a spot to put him. There you go. There it is. Huh? Yeah. Did it go past the forty or not? I can't it did not go past the forty. Alright, so there the thing, you guys told me earlier it was five yards uh, like a five yard pass, and now you're saying it never got past the line of scrimmage.
4: it's just like on a field goal, if the ball is, uh, if I screw up a field goal and the ball does not go past the line of scrimmage, that team can fall on the ball and kick another field goal.
2: Now it's not considered the same thing as if it's a fumble. No, it's got to go past the line of scrimmage to be a a, a punt. All right, what about this? If there's a blocked field goal, right, and the offensive lineman grabs it off the ground and picks it up, can he advance it or no? Yes,
4: because if it didn't go past the line of scrimmage, yes.
2: All right, see. This reminds me of an old you make the call. We need somebody here that can actually make the call from the place uh, in the rule book. Anyway, it's up on the iBang. More stuff up there. Remember when the Dodgers jumped in the pool the other day? Yeah. Pissed in it. (laughs) Uh, Oprah's still going around telling everybody the story of her nervous breakdown. Or near nervous breakdown. Because she was feeling very nervous.
1: If Oprah can have a nervous breakdown, there's no hope for any of us. Why? Because she's got all the help in the world.
2: Yeah, but she's also was in a big movie and at the time had a failing TV network. You don't have either one of those pressures. She runs like an empire of shit. Yeah, in her empire, she stopped the, the driving force of it. What constitutes a nervous breakdown? I don't know. I think you just you sang it. It's
9: like an anxiety attack.
2: Yeah, who doesn't have that? But why would you call it a nervous breakdown rather than an anxiety attack?
3: Maybe it's more manic. Maybe because you're acting like real fucking crazy instead of anxiety. Maybe it'll fucking...
2: I think... I do not think it's a... Maybe it's
9: longer lasting. Like an anxiety attack is like a small episode. Yeah. You're done with it.
2: I don't think it's a medical term. I think you yourself just decide (laughs) to call it a nervous breakdown. Like when your mom yelled, you kids are going to give me a nervous breakdown. Anyway, that was the Oprah story, I guess, as far as we had to go with it. If it can happen to Oprah, it can happen to anybody. Um... Viagra has a new follow up uh whose story was this yours, right Chris of course it was it's pill formed
3: <laughs> the same the same dude who uh made Viagra create a follow up has made more dick fucking medicine where it'll it's for uh premature ejaculation where he'll has a spray that will have men last five times as longer and fucking studies.
2: So you will spray your dick with this?
3: Spray your dick down. I'm going to guess it just numbs it, I would think.
9: It's actually a huge issue, premature ejaculation. Not an issue
2: for me. (laughs) No, Shelby. (laughs) Shelby plays the game of, is it in yet? That's the problem for him. Now, here's the thing, though. I don't think most guys want a numb dick. I don't think you think to yourself.
9: I think most uh, guys want to last in bed. But then most
2: people can.
3: But it's then if you're fucking numbing your dick down, it's not. There's no pleasure. It's just fucking weird humping. Maybe
9: it numbs it for like a small amount of like time, whatever's. But then as soon as it's not you're
3: shooting jizz everywhere. Apparently, because you have a problem with premature ejaculation.
2: I think a lot of even married couples, you know, those suburban mom type of things, don't want to extend it. (laughs) They just want to go until they're pleased and then end. I don't think they want the guy going for five numb hours. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're like, okay, we got other things to do. I got to get up in the morning.
7: Then you're talking if he's wearing a condom and you have a numb dick, what's the point even?
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point.
7: Just go take the dog for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) Like you just rub it on your
2: dick, come on its back, and have some fucking fun in your life.
3: This fucking terrible future where you're just popping fucking boner pills. Yeah,
2: that's it. Fuck me with your plastic-covered numb deck. Yeah, I know you can't feel it at all, can you? Does you feel how tight my pussy? No. No, I can't feel anything. It's like I'm at the dentist right now.
3: Just getting tired.
2: Just shooting fucking Novocaine into the guy's fucking cock.
3: Fucking terrible product.
2: No, you know what? Here's the next thing. Uh numb the dick and then use it as a hockey puck. You <laughs> won't even fucking know it. Take a fuck just do, start doing slap shots.
3: It's just general anesthesia is what this fucking guy's selling for your dick.
2: All right. You're gonna numb that cock down. But not just your cock, your balls also. Oh. You won't feel a thing. You could come and you wouldn't even know it. This other spray blinds you so you won't be able to see her naked. <laughs> And let's get rid of taste and send some smell. Awful. Crazy fucks. It's the same guy who fucking
3: made Viagra. So this guy's just constantly thinking about helping dick. It's really <laughs> a fucking a weird
2: profession. I know. And a lot of this stuff is probably for gay people.
0: Oh, yeah. Y'all know it's time for some of that gay talk. <sighs> oh.
2: If it can happen to Oprah, it can happen to any of us. All right. Uh, coming up in just a little bit. James Kahn. Jimmy Kahn. This is cool. Sonny Colleon. Jonathan from uh, Rollerball. Jonathan. 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 Jonathan.
3: Jonathan. 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 Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. Uh, uh. Poor Moon Pie.
2: I felt mm. so fucking bad. You know, you know, at least the plant can feel something. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that feels pretty good to me. I got a friend up there He a swoop. Call him the Moon Pie. I mean,
3: fucking Moon Pie was the man, dude. He fucking tore shit up.
2: Oh, him and hey, that's Tuffy. Oh, yeah, oh, Tuffy. I feel like going home and watching that. Um, that was on the other night on Turner Classic uh, Movies. Back to back with um, the He's Not Real, But His Love Is, AI. <laughs> really? That was yeah, a double was like, feature? Yeah, it was Sci-Fi Night. That's I'm telling you, fun. how to lock into the Turner Classic Movies. On the weekends. This time they had that Chicago um, critic set it up. Sometimes it's Drew Barrymore. She just comes in. This is a movie my grandfather made. Oh, that so good. Um, yeah, but Turn Classic Movies is the shit.
3: Weird pairing, AI and fucking Oh Sci-fi. Well, Turner Classics, I figured they wouldn't go as, as soon as AI. I thought they'd wait a little longer they for it. They
2: don't have to be old to be a classic, my friend. I saw them
3: showing After Earth. Yeah, they're not. Nice.
2: Yeah, it was on there. It was fucking great. Already? That thing's fucking moved yeah. to TV?
3: Yeah. Jesus, Will Smith, you're in fucking trouble. Why? Because, I mean, I figure, you know, if it's out of theaters that fast.
2: Yeah, but you're always running down Will Smith on this show
3: I saw him once He wouldn't even make eye contact with me
9: He's the Fresh Prince
2: Yeah, so, why would he make eye contact so, with you? So, I
3: don't care how, these, how fresh he is
2: He's what, Philadelphia?
3: Born and
9: raised? Yeah
2: uh,
3: Um. Whatever, he doesn't need my help He's doing just fine on his own him and his whole damn family.
2: Why are you angry today? You, you know, you're the one. Who, I'm so moved by the holy man. Yeah. Hour later, you turn into a fucking <laughs> screaming jealous prick. <laughs> Why don't you try to fix the earth before you fix yourself? His
3: holiness's fucking words. I guess you know they they left my brain.
2: In holiness, fucking words.
3: <laughs> I still, I said his holiness. I gave him the respect. Mad respect.
2: I saw <laughs> Will Smith once at uh, spaghetti warehouse.
3: Shit! What, what do you order?
2: Mm, wasn't him. It? it was just a well-dressed black man.
3: Oh. <laughs> it's really excited.
2: Mm. I yelled that "Sweet Willie!" Pointed at him.
3: Don't give him the satisfaction.
2: <laughs> 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 I don't know why you gotta worry. So, uh, James Conn to uh, end the show today. Here is uh, Dutch. Dutch, you're on the Run of Feds show.
4: Hey, buddies. And hicks, you son of a bitch. Hey, I I got sucked into that back to back rollerball and, and AI, and I forgot how good rollerball was. But, uh, you know, you talk about the, some of the movies they put on. Warriors was on back to back the other night. And I watched it straight, both times, straight through. And it wasn't until the second time it hit me the uh, the line of let's get down to it, poppers. Yeah, No idea that's what it
2: came from. That's exactly it. Hmm? We're very, very big fans of the Warriors. Obviously, we're very big fans of Rollerball. Um, We're very big fans of moving pictures. Any kind of flashing lights. We'll just sit slack-jawed, staring at it, (laughs) drooling. This is great. How are they doing this? This is great. Damn. But have you ever hear of anything good coming up on Turner Classic Movies, let us know immediately. Because here's the thing about TCM. They don't rerun it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, Captain Blood's on. Fucking let me know. Anything Earl Flynn's on. They died with their boots on. Gentleman Jim. I want to watch all that shit immediately. You know, they are doing a movie on Earl Flynn. It's kind of a biopic. Killer Films is doing it. And something about Robin Hood, the last of Robin Hood or something. Yeah. And playing Earl Flynn, Kevin Klein. That's pretty cool. That's perfect casting. There's a casting I want to do for a movie too. What's that? I want uh, Paul Dano Yeah. to play Jim Carroll in a movie. That'd be fucking cool. I think they look alike. Because I just saw him in that movie the other day. Uh, and by the way, you said people laughed inappropriately at that... Uh, Prisoner's movie? Not only...
7: Not pockets. It was a packed theater. Half the theater was laughing.
2: It Half was, the theater I laughed God. at the at things brutal, that I watched, too. Brutal scenes that were
7: in no way intended to be funny at all.
2: Let's pick this up tomorrow, because I got uh, Jimmy Khan coming in, but I do want to discuss that. I think that's fascinating. Because the same thing happened... At, and I saw it with a viewing... You know, so you had to, like, know somebody in a movie company to get there. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with these sick people? Jesus. Why are they laughing at this part? It was, like, insane to laugh at some of these parts. And when I saw that one of the people was Hicks.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I get enjoyment out of these terrible things.
2: Um, But I'll act like I don't. All right, uh, James Caan coming up next. His uh, new show tonight. Uh, on uh, ABC called Back in the Game. And we will be right back. This is the Ron and Fez Show.
0: Ron Bennington. Right. All right. Fez Wally. Yeah.
4: This is the, the Ron and Fez Show. Here's the key. Open your eyes. Your life is alive. Don't say it.
2: The a Fez Show. Tonight is a brand new TV show uh, on ABC called Back in the Game, starring the one and only James Kahn. Uh, we're about to have an interview with James Kahn, who is most people's uh, favorite people, you know what I mean? Like most people in the country. Would have a favorable uh, vision of James Khan.:
3: Love James Khan. Man, f- fucking brilliant. Love him.
2: Favorite uh, James Conn movie?
3: That's go with Sonny Corleone. I mean, that's, that's the Godfather. That's a gimme.
1: Uh, Fez? Um, favorite James Conn Misery. Loved him in Misery of Kathy Bates.
2: Does that love company? Yes, that's what I've heard Did you cheer for Kathy Bates or James Caan? Because a lot of times I feel like I'm James Conn and you're Kathy Bates And you're just breaking my feet Uh, What about you, Shelps? Elf He was an elf As the uh, dad, as Elf's dad Well, you guys haven't brought up Some of my favorite movies of all time No one mentioned Brian's Song Which is obviously the only movie Little boys are allowed to cry at and man, did we cry at that movie. Yeah. Brian Piccolo. When, when he gets in that thing, I love Brian Piccolo, and I want you to love Brian Piccolo. Forget about it. Niagara Falls, Frankie Angel. Niagara Falls. Uh, Thief is a, such a phenomenal movie. Rollerball may be the best sports movie of all time, and it's not even about a real... Uh, sport, Shelby. I, I see you looking at me right now. Like you're not familiar with rollerball? No, I know rollerball. You know the rollerball from the '70s, not the bullshit rollerball that your generation had. I have to check that '70s version now Oh my, it's God, unbelievable, Shelby. It is. It. If you go back and watch it now and you compare it to the NFL today, <laughs> it's so amazingly close. It's great. Uh, it was way ahead of its time about corporations taking over and how much drugs we would be doing and the way we just medicate on TV yeah. and video stuff. It's amazing. It's really, really strong movie. The Gambler is one of my favorite films of all-time. You could just go around and make a uh, a list of... Oh, what about the Wes Anderson film that he did? Bottle Rocket. Loved that film. Mr. Henry. Mr. Henry um, and the Lone Wranglers. The Lone Wranglers. Hysterical stuff. Well, James Conn is taking his talents to television. Uh, a new TV show called Back in the Game... Where he plays this grandfather character, who's pretty rough and tumble guy, tries to teach his kids or grandkids the the old school way of going after something. If somebody screws with you, you gotta get them back. Look, kid, listen to me. Next time you see him, come up on him, and you gotta sneak him. And it, it is all this stuff. Like if I told you how many times. That either my grandfather or an uncle or somebody told me that I would, the best thing to do was to hit somebody fast. <laughs> they always like, if you know what's going, you just gotta lay into them. You just gotta hit them hard. They would just try to give you like a five second boxing, th- you know what I mean? Yeah. And then the next thing you know, there's a bigger kid and you take a swing at him you get your ass beat. <laughs> You're like, this, fuck, this advice was bullshit. It's like some of the worst advice I ever got.
3: I think training evolved.
2: Um, but you would never, I mean, I don't think, just think now, if you had your friends, kids or whatever, and you told them to hit somebody, everyone would look at you like you were a lunatic that need to be p- picked up.
3: Your kids are going to take it away if you're telling your kids to fight. Yeah. It's over.
2: My mom used to tell me all the time, go back and hit them. If I came home and I was beat up or crying or anything, she said, you got to go back. You gotta go back. And everybody's mom was that way. Like we'd be like, all right, we fought, now we're friends again. Let's stop sending each other back. Let's just let's just chill out for a while. But they thought it was a, a, a terrible thing to not be able to take care of. But the weird thing was, at least you did kind of learn a lot of stuff with that. Uh so this is the kind of advice that he's giving his grandson at one point this probably would have been good advice now it's considered much more bad advice back in the game uh a lot of it has to do with little league baseball and uh you played right yeah if of that course was crazy oh
3: yeah maniac yeah
2: shelby did you play the league ball yeah i was
7: mainly a soccer and basketball and never got involved little league
2: one of the jokes uh in this is they do like not everybody gets to make the team this isn't soccer <laughs> that made me laugh really hard uh i played when i was a kid but then i also got to coach a little bit it's so it's it's more fun than you would think as long as your head is directly into this you can really enjoy yourself particularly if you know If you go into it not thinking we're going to win the championship, but we're going to learn about ball. We're going to learn to play ball. We're going to learn the fundamentals. But the thing is, if you do those things, winning will follow. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be all crazy about it, but kids that can do the fundamentals of any sport have a much better chance of winning because a lot of kids don't understand fundamentals or they're not taught fundamentals. Uh, Back in the game premieres uh, tonight... Uh, 8.30, 8.30 on the 7.30 Central. Um, I'm one of the great actors of all time, Mr. James Conn. James Kahn in the studio with us. Back in the Game premieres Wednesday, September 25th at 8.30 uh, on ABC. Nice to see you, sir. Nice to see you, sir. You know, uh, this character that you're playing, I think the interesting thing about it is the first time we've seen street smarts on television in a long time. It's almost a a forgotten art form.
5: Yeah. Well, thank God. I'll bring it back. (laughs) But, uh... Yeah, no, he's, uh, the purpose when I first came in, the, and the idea of having fun, and these Cullen brothers who were, belonging a the home, they're hysterically right. funny, and the writing staff, is, I said, look, if I can create like the most horrifying character. Right, <laughs> ever. I mean, just this, you know, just, I mean, a racist and this and that, but not out of hatred. I mean, he's just has, it's not, it's not a guy who's angry, but a guy who's impatient and hasn't got right. time for belong, stuff, and,
2: it's a different, but it, it just shows it's a different era where kids today are coddled a little more than they were doing. Well, yeah, he
5: goes, you know, he's not going to contribute to the sissification. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. he tells his kid, his kid's picking up, like, well, you got to do something, you know. Yeah. You know, when he's not looking, take a brick or a bat." <laughs> You know, when he comes around, I'm gonna smack him with this thing, right? And then, of course, the mother is like going crazy, you know.
2: But everybody always had that grandfather or uncle or somebody in their family who would give them that kind of advice, where you've got to be respected when you leave. Well, there's that. I mean, yeah. you know, it's
5: just everything. The guy, he doesn't call him the right name, you know. The daughter comes right. to live with him after not seeing him, he hated him because she brought he was she, he brought her up like a boy. Right. The wife died. She played baseball. He was uh, like uh, like the second coming to Sandy Koufax for 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. And he dragged himself out of the thing, you know, bust his arm, brought her up like a guy. She All she knew was baseball. Tried to run over the guy who was taking her to the prom. You know, I mean, right. just normal things, you know. <laughs> So now she's forced to come out and, and live with me. I don't even call my grandson the right name. I mean, it's, he's Donnie it's
2: little, or Danny or whatever. Danny, whatever. Of course,
5: <laughs> they, get, bring the guy in here. <laughs> and, but I mean, it goes to the point with these life lessons and hopefully over the, if we're there long enough, mm-hmm. he's he she's going to have to deal with two of us. He's going right. to more and more like, I me. Mean, he's the great kid, Griffin. I mean, a great kid, the the, the kid who plays with. Yeah. And And uh, I mean, the stories where like he wants to know about sex. I said, don't go talk to your mother. What you mm-hmm. And finally the first thing I tell him is just: is you gotta put your hand around and learn how to open a bra with one hand. That's the first thing. He goes, Why would I
2: do that? You know? <laughs> There's something about bad advice delivered with confidence though. And so, you know, if, if uh,
5: Well if you think it's bad advice to start
2: yeah, with. Yeah, if you think so.
5: I don't think it's bad advice.
2: Uh, but what was it like when you were a kid, girl? You grew up in Queens,
5: right? Sunny side, yeah.
2: Yeah. So there I like I said, you have to you had to be alert when you were a kid. You know, there wasn't. Well,
5: look. The, the truth of with the matter is there's a the beauty of growing up in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That we, you know, we all grew up in, in in like New York, as opposed to California. Right. There's no, there's no neighborhood, and there are great life lessons to be learned. In other words, my my dad kicked my ass out into the schoolyard. So there's a hundred kids there. So by the time you're seven, eight, nine years old, you learn you learn how to win, you learn how to lose, right? You learn, you know respect, you you learn loyalty, and you get a sixth sense. You know, meet so many people that after just shaking someone's hand or the first moment, you know whether he's going to be a friend or not. I mean, it's just yeah. instinctive. It doesn't become... It's like a sixth sense, you know, but, you know, and, you know, and play your best and don't get pushed around. I mean, there's a lot of lessons out there. The, the closest thing to it is organized sport. That's how I got involved with quitting and coaching Scott for six years, you yeah. know. You got to show up. You don't have to play again, but if you sign on this year, you're doing 13 games, all of them. If you don't like it, you don't have to play next year. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's, there's a lot of those lessons that, uh, you know. How did you like coaching? Was it fun? I love it. I had the best yeah. time. I did it for six years. What sports were you coaching? Uh, baseball, mm-hmm. uh, some basketball, soccer. Yeah. football.
2: I coached a little bit like that, too, and I think the difference between me and the kids that I coached is most of us learned how to play ball in the sandlot before we got into organized sports. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised how many kids would show up who hadn't seen a baseball before. We just had that on a show.
5: Yeah. We just had we the, the first show. Yeah. He did the tryout for these little leagues, right? So there's, I don't know, all around, you know, his kids, you know, practicing and this and that. And had the one coach from Winwood, the baseball coach, and he had a line of kids. And I'm standing by the fence watching them. Maybe thirty kids, eight years old, nine years old, throwing them ground balls, and they had to pick them up and throw them, you know, to Mm -hmm. the catcher who could catch it. There wasn't one of them knew how to pick up a ball, and you and throw it. I go and I and I start making fun of them to the coach. (laughs) I said, "Oh, this kid, that's a Winwood scholarship. Hey, this kid's (laughs) going to Michigan, you know?" And I go, and he goes, "Yeah, Jimmy, what is this? What the hell is this?" I never. He said, "I, I said." PlayStation 3 is what it's called. Right, yeah. It's called. There is a big I mean part it's of that. impossible. Scott was playing ball when he was 5, 6 years old. A great yeah. ball player. If I didn't play ball, I didn't know what I'd do. A rob a candy store. You can only do that once. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> before it's over, you don't get ever get really good at it. <laughs> no, I mean, I played. You know, we played three on three from morning to night. We right. played basketball. We played football. We played. You know, that was it. And we had to have our own games. The problem today is now that you got me into a serious conversation, which I'm not really pleased with, <laughs> is is that you know, like we're where we are. I, and I'm sure it's not indigenous to, to, to California only, mm-hmm. but since I live there, I know it's there. Parents will not let their children fail. Right. So they're doing their homework. You, you ever see these science projects? Eight year old comes in and you see, it looks like, you know, Frank right. Gary did You know, it's <laughs> right. like, what, what the? But, you know, and, and, and you know it's not them. So they, these don't allow, and I think it's equally as important as to learn how to fail as it is to win because, you know, if they keep winning and winning and winning when they're 19 or 20 and they have to fail for the first time, right? they can't handle it. Those are the people that hurt themselves and yeah. get fucked up on drugs and whatever else. Right.
2: And, and the point is, when you're playing Sandlot, you're barely paying all that much attention to scores. Sometimes some kids come and go. But what you're really learning is the game itself. So then by the time you show up for organized sports, you've got to handle... You know, now you're ready to be coached. You know, you're ready. Yeah, well, there's to...
5: all kinds of tricks. You know, I came yeah. up with some that I kind of like, you know, and uh uh yeah, I mean, the, the you as a teacher, you got to make them like it, first of all. Mm-hmm. Right. And what I found in like in Beverly Hills, I was coached in Beverly Hills, they think all these, you know, great ballplayers come from the inner city. Right. Well, nonsense. But those are the kids they want to get out. They right. try. So I would get kids out hundred talented kids in and around Beverly Hills. I mean, some great talent, obviously, not all, but every once in a while. And I think this is true in any any business and in any creative thing, any sport. A lot of guys are born with talent. I mean, you know, Scott, you know, he had to, he moved great. He did everything. But And now I have a 14-year-old son who's, uh, who is the starting quarterback on a varsity for the football thing. He's 14. Mm-hmm. So... But you, you're born with a certain talent. If you just rely on the talent and nothing else, yeah, maybe you become good, but you're never great. Guys like Peyton Manning and all those guys who become great are born with a talent, and then they have what they call, I call, anyway, these lonely hours. Right. Where you go and work two hours. After everybody stops, you go and work. Do, yeah. do, do you know what I mean? Those yeah. are the ones that become Absolutely. great. Too many just say, oh, well, you know, I got this talent, and that's it. I'll go out and drink. It don't matter.
2: Yeah. And then when the when the actual game time shows up, they've been there. They understand, you know, they've got some muscle memory about them. I think that's a really big part of it. Yeah, I uh,
5: mean, the, the important new- lesson there is like in, in that thing is that they show up. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're sick or nothing, you know. And that's what I told Scott: think before you sign. You're, you're going to show up every single game, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I love you just as much if you don't want to play, you know, one way or the other. But you're going to show up. You know, and then there's other eight guy and you're the only guy that knows if you try and you can yeah. grunt and groan and you can fool me, you know. So I mean there's a lot of great lessons with with that, you know. Uh, uh you don't have to play again next year. Like I work with a director, I can't stand them. I'm not quitting. I never quit. Right. You know, and I, I but you you, you don't have to work with him again.
2: But even when you brought up losing, there's a lot of great lessons in losing to somebody who's better than you that day. You know what I mean? So the fact that you could go out there and get beat it puts in the back of your head, okay, what happens next time? If it becomes this horrific thing where the parents are worried about the children because they lost, and what about their self-worth? It's almost like we put too much emphasis
5: on what? On losing, you know? Like it's somehow destructive to Well, you kid. know, there's another side of that. No. You know, my least favorite phrase, especially competitive, but in, in all of life, mm-hmm. whether you're making love, or you whether, whether you make, you know, you want to have dinner, it, it, you know, I don't care is the worst three three words. Let me say I don't care. Three (laughs) words that 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 exist. I mean, if you don't have passion, and I went a little crazy when I lost my sister. I quit for six years, and she was my best friend, and I just quit. And I mean, I did some stupid things. I never did. I did got involved with drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, like some not not crazy stuff, but just not me. I've never, you know, I never did it. But the point is, I coached for six years, and and uh, what the heck, where were we going? Well,
2: we're going back oh, to oh, whether oh. you lose or, not, or would you not. I don't care.
5: Yeah, you know? I don't care. So if I, you, I, I want to play you tennis, and say, mm-hmm. hey, you want to play tennis, and you go, I don't yeah. care. Well, fuck you. I don't want to play with you. Right. On that day, I want to know that I beat you when you were trying. Yeah. That doesn't mean I beat you every day. Yeah. You want to make love? I don't care. Well, go get a vibrator. What I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't care. You know. You want to eat the we? And you know, I I don't care. I I just don't like. I don't care. You know. And I think when my sister there, I realized I want to be you know be passionate about whatever I did, and I got so nuts about that that I quit for six years and I coached for six years. And that you know, I was really riding high. I took care of that. I just <laughs> disappeared for six years.
2: But do you? But did? But you feel like that six years was helpful? I yet. had the
5: best time. I yeah. had kids walking around. Oh, hey, coach, should have called me. And yeah. A couple of kids went on to college. Played, you know. But uh, my sons are great ball players.
2: But maybe that's exactly what you needed—that six years to. I don't know what I needed. Away. I can't.
5: I can't. The. Uh, I. I you know, I don't have one of them fortune-telling things. Yeah,
2: When you look over your career, because you've done so many great roles, uh, does, does does it feel like there was a plan to it, or does it feel like just one thing happened in no, the No, I mean, the
5: only plan was, like, to, to, you know, you have to whisper the word, like, I, I keep my integrity, that's all. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do the same thing. That's why doing the series at a point where I basically had to, because I got into financial trouble. Uh-huh. But I even, try, you know, you try to make that, you know, as as good as possible. You know, if my son's upset with something, I says, you know, just take care of yourself, which he'll do anyway. His ego, the healthy part of the yeah. ego, will not allow him to be bad. Yeah, so, I mean, I, you know, I never set out, in other words, when I was going to do a bad movie. Mm-hmm. I never did a movie for money, you know. Uh, it was always out of passion
2: it was always because well I mean yeah
5: I got to the point where you know where I really was you know very successful and the money came and that Mm -hmm. all comes you know like if you're the best at something I'm not suggesting I was the best but in any business you know don't worry about the money it'll come if you're the best they'll pay for it you know so strive to be the best
2: but that's all just done project to project to project. Yeah. You yeah.
5: I mean, it has to do with your choices, you know, mm-hmm. because, you you know, I had to overcome and thank God for the Godfather. But for the first 10, 12 years, whatever, I mean, or whatever, after the Godfather, if there weren't 20 people dead by page 12, they wouldn't call me. <laughs> right, you know? right. So, and they go, oh, Jimmy, you can sing and dance. Yeah, nobody ever asked me, you know. Yeah. So,
2: But th- even at, in that time, there are movies that you that you did, even though the Sonny Culeon thing was hanging over you. So many movies that still live on, even from that period. Rollerball was just on the other yeah, night. A rough
5: thing, but I mean, like Funny Lady, you know, yeah. Kiss Me Goodbye. The whole dancing thing, you know, and yeah. singing and comedy. I liked it, but it was, you know, tough to overcome because I had, you know, built this... This image. The I mean, persona. i walk into bars and guys would just, oh, you know, be, keep your mouth shut, you wind up in the East River, you know, right, I mean?
2: all that, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, uh, I guess that's good with the bad too, right? Because, oh, no, you... that's really good. I
5: get good yeah. tables all the time.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, and the thing is, everybody always thinks you're Italian
5: because oh, yeah, you I got Italian you. of the year twice. <laughs> <laughs> Italian <laughs> of the year. Well, my best friend is Italian. I grew up with, with yeah. Me. So, I mean, I'm artificially inseminated. This, this thought with, <laughs> and. Uh, my mother, that's a... Ed, I ever tell you this story? <laughs> Go ahead. That, Again. My mother, my mother's playing golf. <laughs> my mother's 98 now, but this was like, yeah. she, she's playing golf right opposite 20th century, and there's a big billboard. I was doing something. Some picture was a picture of me. She's playing golf. You know, she she shows up, and they put her with two strangers, or, you know, if she has a partner, you know, they put four. Yeah. The, she's playing, and all of a sudden, this guy sees this picture of me. Has no idea, you know. When he goes, ah, that's a good Italian kid, that guy. <laughs> what guy? Points to me, James Gunn. She goes, yeah, I know. He's, he's a good Italian. My mother goes, he's he's not Italian. Listen, lady, okay. That <laughs> is arguments, thoughts. It's, it's hysterical. She goes, what are you talking about? She says, no, he's he's not Italian. I happen to know the guy, he says, the guy's Italian. I got friends here and I have friends there, and this guy's Italian. He says, like, What do you know, lady? He says, I'm his mother. <laughs> <laughs> <Shut up. clears throat> Sorry. But that's got to be the thing that
2: people feel like they know you before they meet you. You
5: know, there's. Yeah, I mean, yeah. listen, you know, all of these things, you, you, you make it sound horrible, but the truth of the matter is. It's all part of, you know, there's a certain pride in that you were impressive enough as doing something, and it's a, and it's a sign of respect to me. And oh, absolutely. It, you know, people, oh, these guys, I don't want to sign autographs. They're full of crap. Yeah. You know? They live to the day that somebody would recognize them, mm-hmm. you know, and then they don't want to be bothered with it. They're full of shit. You know, they're, they're, you know if they didn't recognize them, they'd have a heart attack.
2: Do you so, have do you have favorite movies of yours? Yeah, sure and- I do. But is it you be- have favorite clothes? <laughs> yeah, sure. But I mean, is it based on uh, the experience that you had, or usually
5: it goes hand yeah. in hand? Because if you have a good time, mm-hmm. somehow it emanates off the screen. Always, you know. Yeah. Like if you, I'm enjoying, like these the, the, this cast I'm work working now, they're great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just great. Uh, Lenora, who plays as you know my, M- Maggie, my co star, and, and Griff the Kid. Been, uh Ben K- Coldike, K- what a name! Anyway, <laughs> no, but everybody and our 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 crew. I mean, it's just fun to go to work, and that's that's a major thing. I mean, I can't imagine anything worse because I've been there, going to work for three four months, like on a pick, where you don't like anybody, or there's some real dicks on the show. You know, yeah. there's nothing worse. So, I mean, our whole writing staff, they're just nuts. And that kind of chemistry,
2: is that luck or is that because they put it together so well? Well, yeah, the
5: guy who puts them together, pretty much. I mean, and you know, I mean, you know, they always shy away when I say, we're not curing cancer. You know, I I don't want to lose a laugh for the sake of some stupid story point. The Mm. idea is I want people to laugh. You know, that's what the show is for. It's entertaining. It's different. It's right on the edge all the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, it's just, but to get back to your thing, the, the pictures that I've liked the best mm-hmm. usually had to do with, I mean, the Godfather is a blast cause we all liked each other. We yeah. a, we, we laughed at a, you know, a blast. I, Thief is one of my favorite movies. We didn't have that much fun. Yeah. But I so, mean, because Michael was crazy. I mean, he's a workaholic, but, um, uh, yeah, uh, the gambler, gambler, the a lot of fun. That such... was one of the nicest men ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Carol and, Rice.
2: And when you do a, a movie like The Gambler, do you know that that's one of the, going to be one of the ones that lives? You never on?
5: know. Yeah, you never know. I mean, even The Godfather. Who knew? I mean, I knew when I'm I'm with good people. Yeah, I knew justifiably it should. You know, because I mean, all the actors, every department head was the best in their business. You know, it became the best. Yeah, but that's still no issue. I mean, there's some pictures that became kind I think horrible today. I think they're horrible. That that won an Academy. Well, you can't tell what the people are going to like. Yeah, and, and I've a, turned down more great pictures. I mean, I was going to start a business at one time. Like, I thought I could get out of business. The studio should come to me and go, "Hey, we're thinking to put X amount of dollars into this movie. Do you like it?" And if I said it's great, don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> if I hate it, sink the whole ship into it.
2: Because that's the one that's going to go. You uh, you did Wes Anderson's. Uh, first film, yeah. And what I always like when you when you play comedy and you're doing it now too in your in your new series, you play it pretty straight. You play it the same
5: way. Well, it depends on the yeah. type of comedy. Listen, it all depends on the script and the way it's written. Yeah. I mean, if it's slapstick, I I do that. But the idea, I mean, of true comedy, I mean, I mean, it's the elephant in the room kind of thing. You mm-hmm. know, if you walk in and there's an elephant in the room and you just walk through like there's not an elephant in the room. Right. You know, the word, listen, see, the words take care of, you have clever writers. I can make it funnier by not pounding them. Right. You know, I can make it funny with my behavior, not with the words, because you can't say fuck you nicely. There's no way to say that nicely. Yeah. You know? So the words take care of themselves. So there's, there's a lot of body language and there's a lot of stuff that makes, you know, comedy comedy. I love doing comedy and I like you know, doing it like I was talking about cancer. I mean, the silliest right. things, you know.
2: But, but let's say Wes Anderson, he was so young then.
5: Well, Wes, that was a whole different thing. I mm-hmm. a, Jim Bridges called me, said, do me a favor. This is his kid. Nobody thought he was kids yeah. in Texas. <laughs> and he says, do me a favor. Could you go down there for three, four days? He's like, come on, pay me under." <laughs> so I went down there. And it, 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 the poor guy, he was a mess. They had some producer. I don't know who the <laughs> heck she was, but didn't know her ass for a hole in the ground. And I don't know. But, you know, we and, did that and somehow...
2: And somehow that's one of the ones that sticks, you know, that's one of the Well,
5: ones that I mean, remember. yeah, I mean, they it certainly made way for Wes and Owen and Luke and all of them. Yeah, it's amazing when you look back and, and see it. It's all because of me, you know.
2: Yeah, it, it, well, you actually did bring so much heat to that film, you know. Suddenly mm. you have this danger thing in the middle of a, yeah. of a comedy.
5: Three days uh, yeah. three days well yeah one day I waited like four hours because they couldn't <laughs> shoot because they couldn't get the ice cream truck to be where it's supposed to be I don't know they had a hard time West was crazy I mean it well it was it, it, it was fun and uh, I'm happy for them
2: well I'm happy for you too man it's great to meet you nice um, to meet you and i'm I'm happy that you're doing this uh yeah it's it's Iggy a show. lot a
5: lot of fun i'm I'm proud of it which is something I don't often say and uh I think I think that people are gonna really laugh
2: um back in the game premieres wednesday september 25th eight thirty. james conn plays a uh a kind of a baseball coach and i don't think we ever forget those little league baseball coaches i think they're in the back of our head for the rest of our lives uh, well, this elect- one
5: will certainly stay in the yeah. back of their
2: heads thank you so much for coming thank in my you. friend i'll see you next time good nice seeing you that was great How cool was that, X?
3: Super fucking cool. Yeah, I can't believe James Collins was just in here. It's kind of kind of surreal. It's Sunny Corleone. It's not surreal. It's real. <sighs> <I
2: don't know. laughs>
3: and sunny right across from me. Is that right? Yeah, sunny right next to the
2: Keep on the sunny side. Always on the sunny side. Love He's a real stuff. ball buster. You gotta love that about him. Hell yeah, real ball buster. God, that was uh, that was the coolest. Uh, James Khan tonight, uh, back in the game. Uh, that is it for us. Yep. Uh, we will see you guys back in here tomorrow, and uh, that is the end of our show.
6: And that's the Edge of my Show. Donk. Satellite
2: alone.
0: Satellite alone. I've been told that you've been bold with Harry, Mark,
2: and John. Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday to Thursday with Harry, Mark, and John. And
6: that's the Edge of my Show. Donk. Hey, that's my show, dong. Hey, that's my show, dong. Hey, that's my show, dong. Hey, that's my dong. show, dong. Hey, that's my dong. Hey, that's show, dong. Satellite of love, satellite of love, satellite
2: of love.
6: And that's the end of my show, <graffiti> <Eng> do <mainland> That's my show, <talking andongs> don't, don't That's my show, Obi- That's my show, <Canadmic dances> だisés, uh, That's my show, <ensation> <sharp walking in traffic> <answering> That's my show, That's my show, That's my show, That's my show, That's my That's my That's my show, that's the edge
0: show, uh, that's, uh, that's the edge show, on on. Uh, That's the edge show, Oh, yeah. Y'all know it's time for some of that gay <omiast clears> talk. <throat> uh, oh, that's the edge of my show, donk.
6: Uh, that's the edge of my show, donk. Uh, that's the Dubai 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 show, donk. Uh,
1: that's the Dubai show, donk. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you about the mighty Hopper, the greatest DVR system in the world from Dish Network. The Hopper. Which not only succeeds in the living room and everywhere else because you can watch your pre-recorded programming on your laptop, your tablet, or your smartphone, it also succeeds in the courtroom. The networks tried to stop the hopper. They tried to take Dish Network to court and say, no, it's unfair. We can't give that many options to view our pre-recorded programs to the, to the people watching television. They don't deserve it. No, Dish Network says you do deserve it. You do deserve The Hopper. The Hopper where you can take your TV anywhere. Any room becomes a TV room. Thanks to The Hopper on Dish Network. Pre-record or watch your live TV events On your smartphone, your tablet, your laptop, anywhere you go, you take the hopper and your TV viewing with you. It's the hopper from Dish Network, 1-800-WATCH-TV. That's 1-800-WATCH-TV. Order the hopper today. Get in on this. Don't be the last to be there. It's 1-800-WATCH-TV for the hopper from Dish.